You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. And welcome to Elsters, a production of Galactic Networks. I'm Gregor Sprague, and joining me, returning from assignment, he's been gone for a month. It's gosh, this, this assignment better have been good. It's Corey Scott. Corey, how you doing? Uh, I was assigned to go f myself. Uh, that was basically what I. Was <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So before we get in the show, and we welcome our guests uh, for info on the show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsners.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, you can go to gncast.com. And as a warning. Um, on Elsters, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. So, like I said, Corey is back. Um, yeah, Corey, I've been saying that you've been off on assignment. So that's uh, just where I've been. I've just mostly been off. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much been it. But it, yeah. it's good to to be here. Uh, I've I've appreciated all that you've been doing, uh, running the show, and of course with with Sean. But I feel like we should say uh, welcome our guests. We have two of them. This is a full house here. We have Amy Frost and Nate Ward here from Ink Geek Studios. One of you guys. Say something. Um, <laughs> I was waiting. I, I, caught, I, caught, I caught Nate mid vape, and I'm like, "Did I?" And it wasn't Brandon. Ah. I am Brandon. <laughs> I hate all of you. Hey, uh, yeah. thanks for having me on. I am excited to be on the actual portion of the show, as opposed to just yeah. coming out in the hangouts after the show airs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. And also, I feel like I need to be on my best behavior because I believe next week I'm on Mind of a Geek. And so it's like, uh, yeah, I believe so. If you think yeah. Mind of a Geek is a reason to be on your best behavior, you are not doing it right. No, yeah. no. I'm, I'm saying that because all the shit I give Nate now, payback oh, is you coming. Will get back. Yeah. Yes, That's payback true. is coming. It's like, so it's like if, I, if I be a good boy right now, maybe I won't get uh, of, of, of all of my sh- of all of my shows to come on and not get crap that's probably <laughs> the one because it's the one we take them seriously so <laughs> yeah. yeah they sometimes have people on that they respect or people who just randomly are in the chat room and they need to fill a hole uh so nate how's your holes getting filled <laughs> what we do best oh no Corey, so real fast can I just say, yeah, real fast. I'm used to that. Can I just yeah. say how happy I am that you're here? <laughs> I, oh, yeah, boy. That's, that's how it works. So you guys are starting a show together, though. And we that's, are. that's a new program to the uh, Ink Geek Studios. So tell us a little bit about that. Go ahead. Hey. You want to me to do it? Go ahead. You, you've so he's not JF, so you can actually slack a little bit. I can get in there. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> No, so we're starting um, the Indie Case Files. It's a it's a show about indie video games, uh, the best and worst and cheapest on Steam. I guess is a big thing. So you know, whether you're looking for something different to play or you want to just pad out that wish list for your next Steam sale. So some of the stuff it'll be stuff we've played together, stuff we've both played. Some of it'll be because he doesn't like the same stuff I like. So some of it will be different. I've no, heard. I like good video games. Wow. <laughs> Like well. Stardew Valley. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with Stardew Valley. No. No. I just give her crap. No, it's uh, it's exciting. Uh, so the show kind of 
it, it started but then lost its legs and i was afraid it wasn't gonna be able to continue but i talked to amy and i'm like hey you play indie video games and found uh, a nicer pair of legs yeah no it's yeah. fine uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so no, it should be a lot of fun. We're starting with uh, Don't Starve Together, which we've been playing the last couple of weeks. So we'll be talking about and kind of reviewing that. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a that's kind of the, the low hanging fruit because everybody loves Don't Starve. Yeah, but, uh, it'll just. I really, I'm impressed that you broke yourself away from your endless playback of uh, Dream Daddy, the Daddy Dating Sim, because I no. know that you've been embedded in that uh, and self qualifying. We are doing that on the show. I am oh just- yeah. I am determined to play that game. There's also one called Hato Full Boyfriend in which you are um you've you've somehow gotten into a pigeon school or like a bird school and it's like a oh, bird dating sim. Oh. Yeah. No, I'm I'm super excited about. It. There's another one coming that's you're dating cats. Like this is going to be I'm going to get into a really weird niche like yeah, so, any minute yeah. now. It's fine. It's starting, it's starting off bi-weekly. Um if anything just to kind of get our schedules adapted to it and because doing it weekly you can run out of games pretty fast if you're not buying yeah. them constantly. Yeah. Uh but no, there's I mean we've we've tossed around some ideas and different different features and and different uh portions of the show that we want to add to it. And, uh, you know, and one of the, that's one of those things where if it winds up becoming a weekly thing, whether it's just something that we are able to financially invest into more game wise or, or whether, you know, uh, people help support it with Patreon and things like that. Um, so we can afford to do a weekly game. Then, yeah, it might be one of those things where we do like a weird Japanese animal dating simulator, simulator game a month. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I'm not against that. But yeah, <laughs> so like, like she said. Sometimes we'll be playing the same games. Sometimes we'll play different games. Uh, I like horror games. She does not. So yeah. whenever there's like an indie horror game, that's probably going to be something that I'll play on my own. So, uh, but yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And Amy's a great podcast host. So it's really cool an honor to do a show with her and have her as part of the studio. Oh, I'm <laughs> But yeah, so that is great. I really look forward to that. I've got I've got games that I'm like I should tell them about these. I should tell them about this, like because they're I've been playing the uh, with the Xbox, which is behind my head, playing mm-hmm. the the pictures. A lot of the I would call them indie games, but they're are with the Xbox games with gold. Yeah. Right. So I've been playing I've been playing Grow Up. What was the one that I just played that I did really? Oh, Slime Rancher, which I'm like, yeah, this is fun for like five minutes. <laughs> and that's the thing. Sometimes you with an indie game, you have games that are not to take the Xbox thing, but they're they're gold. They're games that are great. Like your Darkest Dungeons, you know, your your Terraria, which start start off as an indie game. I mean, they're still technically indie. Uh yep. Minecraft was originally an indie game and look what happened with that. And then you've got, you know, your dad dating simulators or games like Happy Room that are fun for five minutes. Or, you know, you've got and then you've got the ones that kind of skirt the line, like No Man's Sky, for example. No Man's Sky was developed by Hello Games. They're technically an indie company. So by definition it's an indie game, but they were also financially backed by Sony. So at what point is it no longer independent? So, I mean, I don't think we're going to be super strict. Uh, I mean, we're probably going to stay away from anything that costs more than 40 bucks. I mean, you know, try and focus on and and early early access gets grouped into indie a lot, too. Like, you know, the big one right now is is PUBG, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. And, uh, you know, it's being developed by Bluehole, which, again, they themselves are an independent company, but they're backed by Microsoft now because they're doing a 4K version for the Xbox One X. So... Again, where does that line of indie come to? So it's probably just, it's going to end. I mean, it's called Indie Case Files. It's certainly going to be focused on indie games, but it's just going to be like the fun one-offs that aren't super expensive that will be fun for a week or two until we do the next game. Nice. Uh, Are you guys going to focus at all on uh, upcoming games or Kickstarters and and stuff like that? (sighs) 
I mean, I'm sure we will. Like, I'm sure we'll we'll get into that. I mean, for now, I have something like 317 games in my Steam library, and almost all of them are indie games. So, and all of them, you know, almost all of them have less than five minutes played on them. So, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. I got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, it's like again, it, it's one of those things where it's it's back and forth. Like like I mentioned with Don't Starve, it's low hanging fruit. But but at this point, everyone that does a video game podcast has reviewed Don't Starve. It's one of those things where it's 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 good because we both like it. We're both playing it. We know the majority of the gaming world likes it, so it works well for us. It's a great first episode game for us to do because it allows us to focus more on working out some potential kinks of. Because anytime that you start a new podcast, like look at, I mean, uh, with Movie Busters, the show, the new show that Brandon and I started this past Sunday, Brandon and I have been podcasting together for almost a year and a half, but even, but it's still a new show. So you still have the flow to kind of adjust to. So when you've got somebody like Amy, like Amy's a seasoned podcaster, I'm a seasoned podcaster, but this is our first time doing a show together. So even though we're both skilled on our own right, it's still there's still going to be kinks and stuff to work out and to kind of get a flow so when we don't have to worry about the game it allows us to focus more on the show proper so you know again settling in i would love to get something going where we're focusing more especially if if we can get the show established to the point where we can contact developers that are going on kickstarter um, or developers that are bringing around their demos to different conventions and stuff like that, getting copies to try on the show. Um, I do have a handful of keys. The other thing I didn't mention, occasionally, not necessarily every week, but there will be giveaways on the show as well. So if you listen, and that will be purely for the live audience. As Corey knows, we love our live audience. So I've won stuff is in your uh, chat room before. I've won stuff in your chat. You have. You have won Mr. Dubo's most recent book. Yeah. So yeah, so hang out in the chat and uh, it's completely random, done by bot. So everyone has a fair chance. And uh, yeah, so if you hang out during the show and you have a chance to win a game, it could very well be the game we're talking about. Or if we don't have a key for that game, it might just be another random game. But uh, yeah, so it'll be live starting this Monday, the 21st, 9.30 p.m. You can watch it where you watch all the shows from the studio at twitch.tv slash inkedgeekstudios. And that particular show will be every other Monday from for the, the foreseeable future. Yeah. And something that we didn't mention yet is that Amy, at least, has a very long pedigree of being a gamer podcaster, uh, having the, the I think, the earliest existence of a podcast related to Overwatch with the Overcast. We, we are the longest continuously running Overwatch podcast. There were a bunch that, like started up immediately after the announcement at BlizzCon and they did like three episodes and then you didn't hear anything from them for like a year. We they didn't waited. Have JF. Right. Well yeah. I mean if anyone can talk about nothing. <laughs> we waited <laughs> a few months and then we started up. So we're on I think we're doing episode 120 this week. So yeah, we've been in it. We're there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Coming to us on episode sixty-one, and even and that's just counting Elsners. That's not counting previous iterations of our of our horseshit shenanigans that we've got going or here. Spreecast <laughs> days. Oh, Lord. Yeah. yeah, the spreecast. Oh my god, it's what six years? I don't know. I was a young boy back then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's uh, let's get in the news. And the first bit of the news. And I'm sorry if you guys like don't really like the stories. I panic this morning and i was like ah, these new stories community star joel McHale is in talks to join valiant's quantum and woody we talked about the quantum and uh, woody uh movie 
coming in, you know, being a thing with as one of Valiant's attempts to become, you know, the next Marvel or DC with the movies. Um, and actually, I would say with Valiant, it's like with in all of media because they, they were, I know they're working on like three separate projects across film, TV, web TV, and I think there's another one I'm blanking on right now. But it looks like Joel McHale is uh, joining the Russo Brothers' new action comedy television series, adapting the seminal comic book title from Valiant Entertainment. And so he, uh, Joel McHale, would be playing Woody Henderson. Corey, you've talked a little bit about this when we first announced, when we first broke the news, well, not broke, reported on the news, that Quantum and Woody was going to be happening. Can you explain to the people what Quantum and Woody is? Oh, Lord. Uh, I go back to the the old incarnation of Quantum Woody from when Valiant was acquired by Acclaim back in the 90s. And they've they've since they disappeared for a while and they came back and, and they're doing very well. But Quantum and Woody are it's basically like a buddy cop movie. Uh, these two guys have a a gestalt power, which is they get their powers when they're in contact with each other but they don't really like each other. They're both assholes in in kind of different ways. It's like, I'm an asshole, but I'm I'm a totally different kind of asshole. It's So it's like me and Nate. Much like us. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah me and anybody, really. Um, it, it's it's a little bit Lethal Weapon, uh, at least the first movie, but it's, it's great comedy. There's something with a goat that comes along. I can't not see Joel McHale playing the character of Woody. I uh, mean, now that now it's been put in there. Yeah, well, that too. But he it's just he's a very sarcastic character. He's one of those guys who at least thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and isn't always wrong. I Joel McHale is perfect for this. Joel McHale's past two TV shows, he was playing this character. He's been playing this character since he started on the soup. Yeah. Well I, I never really watched the soup. So I couldn't I couldn't say that definitively. But you look at community and you look at, well, so you, you don't include soup. You look at community, you look at uh, the great indoors. He's playing the same egotistical, uh, smart ass character. It, it, just it does make sense. Yeah. So, and I, I should point out that the Russos, this is, you know, the Russos and, and Mikhail coming back together, you know, because they did, uh, the Russos directed episodes of community before directing Marvel movies and stuff. So what do you guys, what do you, uh, Amy, Nate, what do you guys think of this, of this news? Are you excited for this TV show? You care? <laughs> I have never heard of it. <laughs> the show notes. I don't know what quant, quantum and Woody. Like, is yeah, it quantum a, and Woody. Is it a, it's, it's, so it's, it's originally, it's, it's yeah. Originally it was a comic book and Corey just gave us the brief overview of it. So I was, but the, and rudely, while he was giving us the overview, I was reading the show note about it to see if that gave any information. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm excited for, if anything... Nate's without, a guy who gets an audio book and needs pictures. Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, so, so, without, even without knowing anything about it, another, another production company coming into the comic book realm or just the geek movie realm in general, I think is a good thing in any way, simply, if anything, because it gives the other two competition. So if they can hold their own and present and produce movies that are quality content, then that gives them a reason to step up and, and maybe DC can fix themselves. Maybe Marvel can, I mean, they're everyone, most everyone likes what they're doing. So I guess they don't have much to worry about, but These I don't know. The guys I, who are doing it for Marvel. The Russo brothers are the ones who did winter soldier 
Civil War and are doing the next two Avengers movies. So, I mean, that's well, a... Oh, see, I missed that. And, 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 and also the other part is the writers and showrunners for the show are Andrew Bearer and Gabriel Ferrari, the writers of Ant-Man and the upcoming Ant-Man and Wasp. Okay, see, so that makes me excited there. What Corey said doesn't, because I didn't like Winter Soldier as Cap Captain America 2 or 3, but I just, I don't like Captain America. No, I loved the Ant-Man movie, and I'm excited as hell for Ant-Man and Wasp, so... What, what, yeah. what did you think of Community? I've never watched an episode. That's why I read that Arrested article. Development. I, I've never watched an episode. You should watch Arrested Development. If anyone should watch, watch Arrested Yeah. <laughs> I um I don't know. TV is weird with me. So the only time I watch anything, if I'm not watching something for a podcast episode, uh, it's usually something I'm falling asleep to at night. So I might catch an episode and a half. Do you, do you watch Rick and Morty? I started it like <laughs> months ago for the first time ever. <sighs> I, 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 I wonder <laughs> how you have podcasts. It's it's almost <laughs> like you're the antithesis of everything that a podcaster is. It's like all of the geek cred it's just, it's been, you've been shortchanged. It's like someone just, well, uh, NPR exists. I guess he's the NPR of podcasters. I mean, he does have like a Batman tattoo and like a Star Wars tattoo. I like my Star Wars. I like my Batman and I like my video games. And I, and I said, I've specifically said that it is not me that makes my podcast great. It is my guests and my co-hosts. Or, and your or audience. the host who let you co-host on it apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, no, it's one of those things. I I am very much a late bloomer when it comes to a lot of things, unless it's something that I directly have my finger on the pulse. Like anything Blizzard, it's day one. You know, most things Activision, it's day one. I'm really excited for uh, Destiny Two and things like that. But like, there are some things that I fall out of the loop in with with certain ways. Like I have a lot of gamer friends and geek friends, but a lot of them are set in their own. They're set in their own thing, right? So, like, I had never watched an episode of Doctor Who until we did Sonics and Sabres. And then I started watching Doctor Who. Uh, and it was Brandon, actually, Brandon, Amy, and JF were all like, you have to watch Rick and Morty. So I started watching Rick and Morty. And I, I love it. It's a great show. I laugh my ass off. I just, again, I had just, I had never watched it before. Uh, same with Bob's yeah. Burgers. I think I've seen maybe one or two episodes. But you, again, you have to remember, you were talking to a guy who did not hear his first Who song until he heard them in rock band. So you've never seen CSI. <laughs> Any of the CSIs. Okay. Yeah, but I don't count hearing it as an intro hearing. <laughs> and I don't think I knew it was the Who. I don't know. Of course not. You I, had no reference point. I, no, I grew up listening to country music. That's what my parents listened to. So, yeah, like, I mean, it's just one of those. It's like, what was it? It was last week or two weeks ago on Mind of a Geek. Someone gave me crap because the first Star Wars movies, this, the first Star Wars movie I ever saw front to back in full was episode one in 99. Yeah, that was everybody. Everybody gave you crap. <laughs> yeah. Except for, except for me, because I think I might be in the same boat. Yeah, but I mean, I was I was young. I was so what in '99. I was fourteen, fifteen. No, I don't know. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so I just I was again, and I I mean, if you listen to my shows, you've heard this like the last two or three weeks. But no, I was never a science fiction guy. I don't like Star Trek. I don't like Battlestar Galactica. I've never seen an episode of Firefly. I'm a fantasy guy. I'm a fantasy. Yeah. So Star Wars, not knowing what it was, never appealed to me. Once I found out that it was space wizards and laser swords, then yeah, it's a fantasy in space. It's not really sci-fi. Um, and now I love it. But um, that's, yes. I, I, I find myself, I, I, I do admittedly find myself uncultured in a lot of ways, but podcasting and getting to know so many people who love all these other things 
that I may not have been exposed to otherwise has introduced me to so many cool things. So yeah, Nate, I'm teasing you, Nate, but we don't really geek shame. It, you are into the stuff you're into. And and yeah, sure, there's a lot of things that we want to expose you to because we think you'd enjoy them. I'm sure there's plenty of things you want to expose me to. Yeah, you know, basically. <laughs> I don't want to hurt your feelings. No, uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I, uh, I, I admit, again, that I'm a very, like, I, I also can get very narrow-minded uh, with things. Like, I have friends, like, really quick, for example, and I, I won't make it a big, long story, but so gaming-wise, so Path of Exile, right? RTS, or not RTS, uh, ARPG, popular good, true successor of Diablo 2, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's a great game. Just got a great, huge patch two weeks ago, made it even better, right? But because Blizzard makes Diablo, I'm going to play Diablo. I don't care. If yeah, you're, you're, I don't you're a Blizzard care. fanboy, which is not right. a slam at all. No, so that's so I, I end up, I get fanboy tunnel vision a lot of times, like Heroes of the Storm. Nobody would deny that League of Legends is a better game, but Heroes is made by Blizzard. Final Fantasy 14 and Elder Scrolls Online are both better than World of Warcraft, but it's not World of Warcraft. Like, so I, I end up, I get stuck in these visions that are in, the, in these mindsets that I have. And sometimes I have people that are nice enough to break me out of them. <laughs> uh, so speaking of, of people smarter than you, Amy, uh, what is <laughs> So, I mean, I have I have both a complicated relationship with television and superheroes. So, like, cause I mean, I I don't really like if uh, it sounds like a Netflix ten though. Like someday yeah. I'm gonna really enjoy spending fourteen hours watching the entirety from beginning to end and wondering what I'm doing with my life. But I'm not gonna like appointment television it. No, and, th no, and that, that makes sense. Fair. I mean, honestly, with with. With I look at their show and actually I look at their whole lineup. Like they've got Valiant's also got a, a Harbinger film uh, following a Bloodshot from at, over at Sony with your director Justin Tippin who, who did Kicks. There's an Archer and Armstrong film which I've read a little bit more of Archer and Armstrong by Ruben Fleischer. I'm excited for Archer and Armstrong. Yeah, that one looks really cool and a script by Terry Rosio who did the Pirates of the Caribbean and Shrek and, and there's you know J Michael Straczynski. Like they've got the people. This is the cool part about this, about all the stuff that Valiant's doing. Like they were, I think they did a Ninjak web uh, web series, which is just you know. So they're hitting. It's it's almost like they've got the idea instead of films where we where we want to go. It's what works best. Like so, they've got you know like Harbinger. Okay, big event Avenger style movie. Archer and Armstrong. That's a movie franchise. You know, like like where there are sequels, similar to like a Rush Hour or Lethal Weapon sort of thing and then you know like you you counter it with tv quantum and woody you know it's from the sounds of it it's very much tv oriented whether it's on netflix or amazon prime or you know on one of the tv channels and so this is where i applaud them and then they're getting writers who are doing everything it seems like they're looking at this and going okay what's the best way that this would make sense to release it one of the the things to me to also point out is that after marvel and dc Valiant is really the the next biggest shared superhero universe because Image isn't a shared universe. Even from the very beginning, it was different houses and different creators. And they did try to create a shared universe for a little while. And then they tried to do the anniversary where they brought all those creators back, except for Jim Lee, who who sold out to DC. But whatever, that, that Image Return thing never finished because all of those guys are really great about not completing their work. <laughs> But the, the recent thing with Mark Miller getting brought into Netflix, most of Mark Miller's projects don't have anything to do with each other. And also, 
most of the stuff that he's done so far has already been optioned by other people. So I'm not sure exactly yeah. what Netflix is getting out of that other than Mark Miller developing new stuff for Netflix, which is fine because his properties do really well when they transfer over to film. There's there's not much else that you're going to see that could do a Marvel or DC universe. And that's what everybody's kind of screaming for right now. So I'm a little confused, not terribly disappointed, but a little confused. The Valiant stuff isn't in one house. It's not going to be in one place. I, I appreciate having TV shows and films, but if it's not all one production company so that you can have the potential for crossovers, which Valiant Universe definitely has, some of their properties like Eternal Warrior jumps around between Archer and Armstrong, all these things, all those characters tie in together. It doesn't bug me, but I'm weirded out by the fact that that didn't happen because when you see Universal trying so hard to make the Universal monster shared universe, which is just dumb as shit because they can't make one of those movies work, let alone put 10 of them together. I can't figure out where someone missed the boat on this. Uh, They missed the boat at the harbor. That's where it happened, honestly. (laughs) I mean, it's... it's, it's... This ship has sailed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so the next news story and this is only the second one is more info on the new hellboy reboot um there was news that they shortened the movie title from hellboy uh, the rise of the blood queen to just hellboy isn't it all and then the news is that uh mike mignola has said that the the bprd will be in the film now i'm gonna pass this off to Corey because Corey is a big hellboy fan and is facebook friends with mike mignola i believe so mike and i go way back to when i friended him on facebook and he hasn't noticed yet that uh i i'm not someone that he should be friends with uh, i feel that way about all my friends i remember levi who who i do comics uh with occasionally saying to me one day he goes mike mignola just replied to one of your facebook posts i'm like oh yeah i know he's like Mike Mignola. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. It's 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 cool, man. Whatever. The BPRD, we've seen them. We we've seen them in the the other Hellboy movies. That was what yep. they kind of focused around. Uh Ape Sapien, the pyromatic character that he was in a relationship, who I don't think is gonna be in this because they've cast his Hellboy's love interest in the movie, and I don't think she's playing Liz, I think was the character's name. Uh, so I, yeah. she probably came in as a different character later on when he left the BPRD. Oh, and Seth MacFarlane played the guy in the suit that <laughs> was in the second one. It was very uh, funny. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited for this. The more I hear about it, they are leaning towards doing it as a horror movie as well, which is something we've been pitched over and over again. I, I remember when Doctor Strange was first announced and they were talking about how it was coming together, together and they were saying it was going to be Marvel's horror movie. Uh, and now they've been saying that about the new mutants is that it's going to be more horror aspect than it is just plain superheroes. And I keep waiting to see that happen. And I can see that working for either of those properties. But Hellboy makes total sense because that's that's where Magnola came from. Magnola was doing the dark yeah. gothic horror themed art and, and comics. Uh, and that's what allowed him to help spin off into doing stuff on his own with Hellboy at Dark Horse. And, and creating his whole universe. And I want to see some of his other characters. I want to see Screwtop Head. And that I want should to be see... an Amazon show. Yeah. I mean, I mean... Screw on Head. Because Sci-Fi did that one like pilot episode years and years and years ago that like, you can still find on YouTube. And it was incredible. And I have been waiting for Amazing Screw on Head to be an, a Netflix show forever. Did you ever see the short that they did or the animation that they did that they were going to do a goon movie that oh, looked no. just incredible? Oh, man. 
try to find that because that was exquisitely well done uh, and and just never came to fruition. But there was some really good stuff happening or it seemed like it was going to happen for a while. And now I'm sure all these companies are like, why didn't we stick with that? Because look where we are, <laughs> where comic books are 90% of the blockbusters out there and everything's owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other part is so, David Harbour is, you know, now not just famous for it. He's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, unfortunately, one of them was Suicide Squad, but he's been in Stranger Things. And so it's a very easy step to say, oh, I really like Stranger Things. Oh, I'm wearing my Dustin three eye shirt again. Now you can come watch me play Hellboy in this other dark gothic kind of feel. And yeah, absolutely. People should jump on that. I'm excited for it. So are you not concerned with the fact that they've recast Hellboy? No, I mean, I mean in a perfect world, I would have liked to see Perlman get to to do the, the trilogy. Perlman right. is fantastic and played a great Hellboy. But once they decided that this is the direction that they're going in and and because of all the complications of trying to get that movie off the ground for so many years, if they're starting over, I at least like the fact that they're starting over with high quality people, high quality creators. And I bear no ill will towards Mike getting to see his creation back up on the screen again. Right. No, for sure. No, I'm excited to see it. I liked uh, I liked the original movies with Perlman. Did, so did you guys fun. see the animated movies that they did? Oh, yeah. I, no. Oh, those are so good. Yeah, and they use the voice cast is the people who played them in the films. I mean, not uh, David High Pierce, who played Abe in the first one, but the guy who was actually playing him in the suit and everything and voiced him in the second one. And oh, it was really good. Right now? Yeah, because he's like in all of <clears throat> Doug Jones, Gilmore. Doug Jones, yeah, who Doug gives Jones. free hugs at conventions. Yeah, I'm kind of so bummed about this. So does Nate, it, but it's out of a van that's yeah, just free candy in the back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bummed about this because I don't do horror and Hellboy is like my favorite. Um, but there's Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water, which if you tell me that's not Abe Sapien, I will call you a liar. <laughs> and so it's fine. Like, I feel like I'm I'm still getting, he's like, well, I wanted to do another Hellboy movie, but I can't. So I'll just sneaky definitely not do this Abe Sapien film. It's fine. So Amy, I I'm in the, the numbers work out. Yeah, Amy, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I've, as a person who has guested on Podcast of Terror twice, we will not talk mm -hmm. about the second time. It did not happen. I apologize, Corey. Um, Never. I picked. I picked. Oh, fuck, uh, Edward Scissorhands for the second movie, just because Amazon go. said it was a horror movie. I'm like, all right, fine, let's do this. <laughs> I did Pan's Labyrinth, <laughs> so I I get you. Uh, and but the like my horror movie listing is that i've watched is very small i think it's maybe five movies and i loved the hellboy movies that was my introduction to hellboy and i'm i loved him actually i think i have the dvd behind me in the locker thingy and i loved it just because it was so different than all the the comic book movies that were out there at the time and all that and you know i loved guillermo del toro's look like art and look of all everything here and then hearing this it was the same thing it was like you know Love David Har or David Harbor. Loved him on the newsroom and Stranger Things and all this. Ian McShane, hell yes. I mean, you know, if we can't get John Hurt, um, yeah, yeah. You know, let's get Ian McShane because he's basically playing the the Professor Broom's character right now with American Gods in a way. I mean, you know, as the guide and yeah. all that. And yeah, just like oh, more horror movie. Oh, great. So don't take anyone who thinks I'm macho to it with yeah, me. But <laughs> <laughs> that can't be that long list of people. <laughs> uh but uh 
I mean, how how horror are we talking? And and then also when you say you don't like horror, people consider like Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street to be horror. Like those are slasher films. They're not really scary. They're just bloody. Like and so, I will t- I will tell you this. I will tell you the the horror movies that I have seen. Okay, Cabin in the Woods All because right. Glenn Rubenstein told me to to go watch it and I watched it and I enjoyed it. Cloverfield and Clover, uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Cloverfield, fucking! I almost threw up in that watching that movie. Yeah, I I, I saw that in the theater, and and I don't do motion sickness that well. Yeah, well, it was. It's not even like I did. I don't do motion sickness. It was just a like because I watched it because that was when Matt first wanted me to come on podcast of terror. And I'm like, oh well, I'm a big Dan Trachtenberg fan. You know, watch Tolly Ratchet and all that stuff. Can we do Ten Cloverfield Lane? You know, the movie that he directed and all that. And he's like, sure. And, and the movie when I bought it, it had Ten Clover or it had Cloverfield in there. So I'm like, and Matt goes, well, you're gonna watch the first one too, you know, to get an idea. I'm like, sure. Huh? Pause. Huh? <laughs> okay go wait five minutes later pause <laughs> like this close like four times just Not because bad, of huh? shaky cam shaky yeah cam. You know, that's what i was saying was like watching it in the theater like it didn't have an effect on me on the tv i mean i don't know maybe on the yeah. 4k it would but like well uh, what a great I, vr experience that would be well that's what i was thinking was i wonder how oh, that would be VR. like i have a vive and one of the big things they do to quell motion sickness on the vibe is you don't actually like there's no live movement it's click to move uh which yeah. works really well so i'm wondering if watching like an immersive like i mean i don't know i mean it like it it, it has that through the eyes of the camera but i, I don't know i think you just i'll, I think, I'll say this i'll say this when it comes to cloverfield if they wanted to remake cloverfield in a virtual reality setting right. i would be down for that, that i'd would be that, down for that yeah no but no so i'm just curious again with horror because every, everyone kind of classifies it differently uh yeah. well there's different classifications of horror though too because uh, despite gregor apologizing some people do consider edward scissorhands a horror movie there's certainly aspects of it that that reach into what classic horror films have uh, oh. It's a tragedy more than anything, but it, it's got those things that do make it step apart. Pan's Labyrinth certainly had very horrific elements, but it's such a beautiful film that you can kind of categorize it as something else entirely at the same time. But yeah. uh, Captain of the Woods, horror comedy, the slasher films are horror films in a different genre. There's so much stuff that you can subcategorize from that. It it doesn't really matter. It, it's kind of how you see it. One of the I things can- that scared me the most as a little kid was a movie about a ventriloquist dummy. And and it's Sorry. it's just <laughs> bizarrely horrific. I guess calling it horror is just like calling music rock. Like there's just way there there are too many other yeah. subgenre yeah. classes. You know, everything yeah. falls under rock except for Nickelback. And uh I think that that's <laughs> yeah. it's and so like and th- this is the classification I gave with Edward Scissorhands. I don't know why I'm getting into it because no one asked, but I looked at it as like if if Greg, I had watched on, it, I had hold, seen. Hold on, Gregor, Gregor. Yeah, how yeah. would you classify Edward Scissorhands? Well, thank you, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, but no, like it, it's it's like I said in the episode. If like if I had seen it, like I had seen bits and pieces of it when I was a kid, but never the whole movie. That would have freaked me out because I got I I was a f- like freaked out like seeing bits and pieces of Child's Play. And, you know, the other Chucky movies and stuff like that, like so much so where I would run from my room, like from my door onto my bed as a big kid, like fourth grade, like 200 pound kid jumping onto my bed because I'm like, okay, Chucky's going to come out underneath there and grab me or some shit like that. You're a 400 pound <laughs> kid. Kick <laughs> kid. 
Punt the I'm kid. Fan. I'm only 300 now, dude. Come on. <laughs> I got the fourth grade and the 200 pounds mixed up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. So, I mean, like, see, I grew up watching that stuff. Like, that was kind of my, like, like I would sit with my grandmother and watch Friday the 13th on the USA Network. So, like, that was just something I always did. I, I grew up watching those things. I was never, I didn't grow up in a home of censorship. If that yeah. doesn't give things away, you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> I got a Carlin album for Christmas when I was, like, 11. Like, I was watching all those things. And, and now not to kind of give any strength to the argument of like desensitization, but like between that and video games, like there isn't a lot you see that surprises you anymore. So I watch things like, like saw, for example. And I love, I mean, I I don't care if you think it's a good quality movie or not. It's torture porn and it's amazing. I love all the saw movies. I'm excited as hell for jigsaw. And I think Tobin Bell's great. And I, I, I'm excited. I, I mean, He's still dead, but at least he gets some flashback in the new movie. So that'll be cool to see. But yeah, yeah. It, and that's exactly it. It's toward, I mean, my favorite thing about Saw is, all right, how are they going to creatively, massively murder people in this one? And as horrible as Saw 3D was as a movie, man, that opening kill scene was incredible. So, yeah. and that's what's fun about that. I love, I mean, I watched Silence of the Lambs, which I'm sure would probably freak some people out as a really, as a young kid. Um, actually, we talked on one of the podcasts last week about how, that was one of my most memorable movie experiences with my mom was she dismissed me out of school to take me to go see Hannibal. Uh, She liked, she liked silence of the lambs and Anthony Hopkins. And so did I. So my intense, I don't know if I'd call it intense, but like my, my, my desire to learn about the psychology behind serial killers is a big thanks to my mom. So I, I grew up watching and, and reading about a lot of that stuff. I wrote plenty of papers on serial killers throughout school for like English class papers. I never really like, none of that really freaked me out. Like, especially with modern stuff that goes on. Like if you listen to a podcast that Amy got me into last podcast on the left, if you listen to that and some of the things that actual like horrendous monsters that have existed in reality have done to people, some of the things you see these people doing in movies aren't that bad. Yeah. At a certain point, horror movies can really just be escapism from the, the truly horrific things that you see in your life or the things you just can't handle in your life. You're like, I need to just watch something else. And sometimes seeing horrible things on film makes you feel a little bit more normal when you're walking around in your day to day. Like, fuck, at least I don't have it that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's or it's it's the training manual, whatever you want, you know, it's right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, no, you know, and I know I'm taking up a lot of talk time, but uh, that's how I discovered Dexter. Like yeah. I went into a, uh, I went into a borders and I thought the lady was going to have me committed. I asked for, I said, I'm looking, I said, no, I said, I'm looking for a serial killer book, but I want it from the perspective of the serial killer because I'm sick of every serial killer book painting the serial killer to be the bad guy. <laughs> and she, no, and, yeah, yeah. and she said, do I have the book for you? <laughs> and, uh, and that was how I discovered. And uh, it's called the Bible and you need to find Jesus. Right. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, but no, but that's how I found, <laughs> how I found Dexter. And uh, man, uh, Darkly Dreaming Dexter, that first book in the Dexter series, man, I read that like six or seven times over before the sequel even came out. And then that horrible Showtime show. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I, I'm i just weird, man. <laughs> oh, dude, you're here amongst amongst weirdos. It's all it's all cool. Right? Yeah, you're totally um, abnormal for liking Dexter, that book that wasn't a hit at all. Uh, just, <laughs> well, no, such but a the small way- audience. <laughs> The way I discovered it. No, well, it ended up being yeah. like, you know, he's he's got a little bit of a conscience and he's a killer that yeah. kills bad people. 
the enemy of my enemy, I suppose. I don't, I don't got anything else to add with the Hellboy story, so I'm going to move on to the uh, Power Pack. Oh, still on Hellboy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm expecting this is probably going to be a three-hour podcast. Hey, I want <laughs> I tangent. No, no, it is fine. It's fine. It's I love a tangent. I don't know how to shut up. <laughs> here's, okay, here, and here's the problem. I'm playing the Dave Nelson role for a lot of these things. So it's, you know, it's like Sci-Fi Geeks Club. It's like, okay, I'm, I go and I'm like, all right, that's long enough. We should probably ring it in. That's all I'm doing here, basically. <laughs> oh, where's where's JF? Let's get JF on. Let's just oh, let's just take JF this right is to in chat. JF is in chat, and so if, if we want to do a whole you know marathon five hour podcast, we could bring him up. Wow. <laughs> <sober> for this. <laughs> I am too, honestly. <laughs> right. So the next story is. Uh, Power Pack and more are returning for Marvel Legacy. This is getting in the comic books side of things, so I'm, I apologize to the people. Oh, and JF is busy painting, so don't got to worry about five-hour podcast. <laughs> and so the big one, and I picked this mainly because they hit at Power Pack, and I know Corey is a big Power Pack fan. Uh, that's the reason why I bought these Power Pack comic books for the uh, audio listeners. Check out the YouTube video behind me. You can see uh, like five issues, five, six issues of Power Pack that I bought at a flea market down in, in, in Amish country, Indiana. Cause, and also it's because it was either that or X-Force. And I'm like, yeah, let's do these. This looks like a good run. <laughs> but so uh, Marvel has been doing the DC line of, th- of a, or the DC approach of things with their uh, legacy, which is so, supposed to reboot. So it's more older reader friendly. They're doing a lot more uh, legacy numbers. So like Thor's going back to its old legacy numbers. Power Pack is one of the books that's going to be coming out starting with its legacy numbers. So it's going to be starting at issue number 63. So the cool thing is they've got, they have what, five books in here that they've announced. So uh, Power Pack is being written by uh, Devin Grayson. Yep. And the art is done by uh, Marika Cresta. And the story is going to start out with where is Power Pack? And we're going to follow Katie uh, Powers as she goes through searching for her family or through her family history, just as an old foe returns. Then we're also going to get a continuation of the Spider-Man Deadpool uh, story um, with uh, Robbie Thompson and uh, Chris Bacalo. Bacalo. Um, well, I've always pronounced the, it Bacalo, but I, I've only ever seen it in in writing, so it it could be yeah. Bacalo. And and hey, I've I just recorded the, for the Patreon thing, so I am no stranger to butchering names here. So, um, <laughs> uh, but that's Chris. Coming up in- Chris is actually one of my all time favorite artists. Yeah, he's. What else has he done? That well. I- he he's done a lot of stuff at Marvel. He's done runs on Captain America. He's done runs on X Men. In the nineties, he did. He was one of the originators of Generation X with Scott Labdell as the writer. Uh, they co-created the book and co-created all the characters. If you ever get the chance to read the first year or so of Generation X and the Generation X Age of Apocalypse book that they did, some phenomenal stuff in that. Bakalu would would draw stuff into the borders and everything. He would have like an extra story going on outside of the panels which was just awesome to see. Uh, he also did uh, Death the High Cost of Living at Vertigo with Neil Gaiman. Nice. Excellent guy. Nice. Yeah. The other one, because this that one's sticking with its normal because it's came in, you know, like two years ago. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is keeping its the writer, uh, Jerry Duggan, who did Deadpool during the Marvel Now times, and they're bringing in artists Marcus Toe, and they're reverting back to the original numbering. So it's going to be 137 and 138. And this is one of the things that, like, I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at uh, Ben Riley's Scarlet Spider. I'm excited for this. I picked up 
the Marvel previews at my local comic shop last week and looking through here, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be spending like a thousand dollars. Like at all the like the checklists in here alone, like they've got, you know, Amazing Spider-Man's going to be doing the legacy numbering, Avengers, Venom. Already yeah, the legacy is. numbering, you're saying it. You're saying it's going to continue it, but that's not what exactly it is. In no, cases like Guardians of the Galaxy, where they've had multiple titles relaunching back to number one and everything, what they're going to do is they're going to add up all those numbers to make the number that they're picking up now be like the next issue if that had continued from one up through yeah. 127. Okay. Then can, the I, can I ask you a question for somebody who maybe sure. has read a comic book? That's always and been. He calls my- himself a Marvel fan. Except for <laughs> the movies. That's always been my deterrence to reading comic books is you have all the multiverses, all that you have all this series and this series. So I, I have this flaw where I'm a completionist. Like I haven't even started the Witcher three yet because the Witcher one is so horribly optimized on modern PCs. It plays like shit. And if I can't play one and two, I don't want to play three. So that's how I am. Like if I'm not starting like with the movies, you know how everyone says, oh, stop with the origin stories. It's like, like, no, like if you're start, if you're telling the story over again, start at the start. Like that's where you start. So I don't care. Like tell me it again in their version. So like with comics, I've never really known where to go. Like everyone's like, oh, we'll just pick off here. I'm like, okay, well, what about before that? Like where is, and, and obviously with some of them, you go back to, you know, decades. Yeah. But like, I, I guess when I, I mean, even with Batman, like I tried to get into the new 52, which I guess was just bad, according to some people. Uh, Bat, the, OK, uh, sorry, I'm, I will cut you off right there. The Batman run for the new 52, the uh, the written by Scott Snyder and drawn by Greg Capullo. That is great. The, out of the new 52 stuff, that is one of the stronger uh, titles out there. Okay. But the flip comics, of that is that the Batman of the new 52 is one of the things that pulled continuity in a very convoluted and sometimes slipshot yes. way over from before the new 52 even happened. And so that is a terrible place to try to jump in because they were trying to finish stories that had started like the, the Batman Inc stuff. And at the same time having to change things because some of those characters no longer existed. And, and yeah. I, I completely feel, you know, as a person who I've managed or worked at three different comic stores, one of the hardest things for me to do is to give people a jumping on point for a book that they're interested in. If someone sees a Superman movie and comes in and they're like, I want to read Superman, it's trying to find that spot to start them out at. And that's why it's nice when it's a miniseries or a graphic novel as yep. opposed to the mainline book. Uh, because what these companies have, have unfortunately done, Marvel is probably the worst of this, is that they've created so many continuing crossovers and so many continuing events that by the time you finish one event, one, it's not written to an actual ending, and two, it just leads you directly into the next event. And at the same time, they're doing that event book, that series of like eight comics, but then by the time they're done, it's actually 10. They've also got the story going on in all of their other titles. Some of them have really precisely hinging moments so that if you're only reading that miniseries, you're not getting everything you need to get a complete story from it. That's incredibly frustrating, and it's part of what people have been complaining about with Marvel for a long time and what they were hoping that Legacy would fix. I'm not sure that they're there yet. DC, when they relaunched into Rebirth after the New 52, they have done very few crossovers. And the crossovers they've done, they've been very careful with, and they've only involved one or two titles at a time. They haven't done any big miniseries event books yet. Now they're starting to with... uh, 
Dark Knight Metal. Yeah. And that's okay because it really stems from the Batman books that Snyder's been writing all along. So if you've just read all the Snyder stuff, you kind of have everything you need to start into with that. But I, I completely understand. So you might want to look at, if you're interested in comics, but you're not interested in having to read 70 plus years of comic continuity, look at some of the things from Image. Look at some of the things from Vertigo. Look at some of the things from Dark Horse where you can get a whole run by a single creator or single creative team and have it be able to have a beginning, middle, and end. And that will at least give you your end. Now, when I was a kid, I read comics and I jumped in wherever they were and there was no safety belt for me. It was just like, well, this is where Justice Society is. So if you want to read Justice Society, enjoy. But they also used to have comics that had a whole story in one issue or sometimes several stories in one issue and they were complete and you didn't have to buy the next one because you were chasing those things down on newsstands at the time. They've lost that ability too, uh, unless you're reading Archie. So (laughs) go into a store, uh, find a quality store, you know, check reviews and stuff or or look up 1-800-comicbook.com. Find somebody who can sit there and say, okay, what are you interested in? What is the stuff that you like? And they'll help pinpoint something that you should might enjoy and then try to read that first and see if you get a taste for comics and then you kind of uh pick your way through after that all right that makes sense see now i have to correct myself a little bit uh because there was one series again step stepping away from the superhero cape and cowl stuff lock and key i read front to back and yeah. that was really good but again that was really easy it was one bulk purchase on comiXology front to back it wasn't something where I had to figure out what was where. Like I just bought the bundle and it was all right there. And so you didn't it, have to go through the hell of waiting for the years of it coming out. Right. Yeah. That's that's nice too. It's nice when you can binge things. Um, the, but yeah. So I mean, I've had I've had that Comicsology subscription thing ever since they started it because it's like you know you threw Amazon Prime things like that. So, but I just I go and I look and it's just, it's just a fa- it's a matter of being overwhelmed. It's like I don't know where to click. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's this is one of the things like I, that I will always suggest to people like I did this when I worked at Dollar General we didn't even sell comic books in there like I don't even think they do now but I had people coming in and go do you sell comics here I'm like oh no no you're gonna want to go down to the local comic book store that I go to um you know where I you know today I just bought six seven comic books this week that I will be reading and download oh, disposable income <laughs> yes and then downloaded you know 30 more that I'll be reading and I will tell people, okay, so who are you into? So I know, for example, you're into Batman, Nate. Right. So I would, I would say with, you know, you could easily start with the rebirth volume one. I am Gotham for Batman. That's going to be an easy place to start um, because I started in new 52. I started in new 52, like a year into that. And then a year into Marvel now that like, that's where I really started reading comics and all that stuff and haven't quit yet. Um, even though there are some series that I wish I did sooner than when, than ending with, with ending them. Amy, are you a comic reader? Because it seems like you have a little bit more knowledge of this stuff. I weird. I read weird comics. Like, I mean, I've done some of the Hellboy stuff, but I certainly don't go through everything. But like, I read like Wormwood Gentleman Corpse, and like nice. I'll go in. Like I'll go into a bookstore or a comic shop and I will go find like some strange, obscure like collection and I'll go there. Like I've never, it's the same thing with TV. Like I, I, I can't do the issue to issue in the same way that I, I don't do episode to episode anymore with very oh, no, rare yeah. exception. I get that because like, again, I just told you guys like how, like I've got six separate issues here. And then there's, you know, I think it's what, 28 that I've downloaded. That's just one week. That's a, a, a lighter week, too. 
and they're like how do you keep all these in in your head i'm like i've been doing i've been reading the wikipedia pages on the separate characters going through their stories you know when i was in high school it's one of the things like i already have a lot of the backstory and it's one of those like the single issues for me they are easy to like oh okay this is what this is where this is going all right cool along for the ride but it's one of those things like i always try when I'm easing people into comics, um, which sounds a little dirty, but I, <laughs> I, I tend to pick things that aren't that don't revolve around a lot of story. Um, so like like the other one I would recommend, you know, besides the I Am Gotham first volume for there is over on Marvel side the Punisher. This last this latest issue run with Punisher one because it's got Steve Dillon's art. I believe this is the last stuff that he did before he passed away. Uh, Steve Dillon, one of the co-creators of Preacher, that run was fucking fantastic that was on there um becky clunan's uh doing the story and she's continuing and she's got these other artists coming in and they're just they're all great stories there's nothing you need to know all you need to know is he's the punisher he's freight castle you know he kills bad guys he has his own code you know you watch the the season two of daredevil you now have your origin story for the punisher go forth and read sort of deal um this is my hope when Corey always pick you know Corey says like this is people think it's gonna it's gonna fix it that's me I'm hoping that they fix this to where I can go to my friends and to, we you know, with the uh, the Patreon thing that I do for Galactic Netcast where I recommend comics, they're going to be like, these comics are great jumping on points. You know, some of these might be series, you know, like there might be a series like I've got uh, the Descender, Rise of the Robots series going on over at Image that I'm reading and, you know, buying the connected comic book covers because I'm like, why not? And and all that and it's just like this is cool stuff there's cool stuff out here but it's like sometimes i'll just be like you know you gotta just get it go in there and then be like if i don't know something like that and it says like oh read like this and you have something like comiXology unlimited or you know wikipedia do a wikipedia search of it and it'll tell you all this stuff like that's how i know about uh the blackest night storyline over at dc with uh the green lanterns and all is because i read it and i'm like that looks like that'd be really cool have i bought it no why because i haven't found it and i'm a lazy bastard <laughs> so Corey, my question for you is and it's a very specific one because i know you haven't been able to slash give up on comics would power pack get you to come back in i'm very interested in in a power pack return i've been interested in power pack returning for a long time this does seem to be picking up the fact that the characters have aged we've seen an adult alex power for a number of years he showed up in new warriors I think of the 90s and he was part of the future foundation with with fantastic four characters uh we've seen julie power as as what was it the losers was a book from marvel for a little while it was a bunch of ex-superheroes who were in a support group together yeah that i'm not sure if i got the name right but we know that these characters continue to exist but we haven't seen katie or jack in a long time since alex was borrowing their powers to become power packs i have a love for these characters i had a subscription to power pack in the 80s when it first came out i that's a book that i read from issue one nate uh and it was kids and they were right about my age so it was something that i kind of grew up with them uh much in the way that i kind of grew up with Kitty Pride and with Dick Grayson, except they stayed young longer. And so I didn't necessarily age out because I don't see books or or reading that way. I don't have a problem reading books that are aimed for younger readers or star younger characters, just like I don't have a problem uh, reading books or watching shows that star female characters. Even though I'm not, I can handle it. It's what <laughs> fucking imagination is for. But I loved this book because I read it from the beginning and because it created a universe that was tied into the Marvel Universe 
but also very much its own. We introduced characters like the Starks as the main villains in that from space. We had the Chameleons who were uh, space ponies, essentially. It, it, it all kind of had a magic to it that I hadn't got to see many books from the beginning to its eventual end. I loved it. And so, yeah, certainly. And I, I like Devin Grayson a lot. I think that she's a, a great artist or not artist, a uh, writer and creator uh, who unfortunately got kind of not necessarily drummed out of comics, but disappeared from comics after she had a not wonderfully embraced Nightwing storyline. But she's great. She is a really good writer. And I think that she's someone that I would trust to write Power Pack uh, if we can't get the original creative team back. Yeah, I would get this. I would get this just nice. for nostalgia alone. Uh, but I also, yeah. is it a continuing thing or is this one of the ones that Marvel's announcing that might just be a one shot? Um, I think this would be a continuing thing um, because the only thing that I've seen that's been one shots is actually what my else view is with the, the generate the Marvel generations. Okay. So, but with like looking at the preview, like the preview stuff on here and, and seeing, and this is stuff in this article that's coming out later than this. Cause this is stuff. The stuff in this article or the book is coming out in October. So this is like, you know, end of the year and all that. It's looking like, you know, there is stuff that is going to be continuing on. And then there are things that are, you know, just ending. And But it all looks really on the Marvel side anyways, because, you know, this one was free and I didn't have them extra cash to pay for the, the actual preview, ginormous previews book. Um. <laughs> I swear, it's like if I got that, I'd be like, just dragging it out um, with how big those things are. But I look at these and I see, I honestly see this Marvel legacy as a way for Marvel to hopefully, and this is my hope, if they execute it, great. If not, I sure as shit hope that they get, that they figure out, you know, continuity. Um, One of the things that we talked about on earlier episodes was the whole inclusion of, you know, these other characters, you know, like Sam, uh, Sam Wilson as captain america and you know jane foster as you know as the female thor and all these other things where i i look at these as i love these i love these stories they're so it's so cool it's such a different take on it uh sam humphreys who did the writing for captain america uh sam wilson was telling such a great racially driven story where you know you know it's it, it honestly we could have had this in the news the you know this past two years of like you know oh well sam wilson's not my captain america hashtag take back the shield and all this other shit and it's like uh, he realized he's saving people right he's being a hero who cares if he's black who cares if he has a bird and he flies you know he's saving people he's doing good shut up you fat pundit person <laughs> and all that stuff you know on the same on the opposite side with you know with uh the the thor book the mighty thor book it's where he's like, you're like, who cares that it's someone who has a hammer? Your son ain't picking up that hammer. You know, he gave up on that a long time ago. He'd rather be- become an alcoholic. So, you know, sure, yeah, go after this person. Oh, we must find her. I always relate this to people, you know, that the comics has always been about, you know, how you relate to them. You know, always about the underdogs and all that stuff. That's what the X-Men were. You know, it was always an, an analogy to racism and stuff like that. That's what, you know, a lot of these books have been. And that's where I always tell people, you know, my favorite characters are not the original or the prototypical superhero. It's always, you know, someone else, you know, a different type of person and call me weird, but whatever. (laughs) All right. I believe that's it for the news. And so we will be 
uh, right back after I do a Patreon read. So we got a Patreon um, over at gncast.com slash support. And on there, you will find the extra things. I had hinted at it throughout the whole thing. But one of the things you get at the $5 level is my comic book picks. And you get some of the reasons why I picked these comic books. Two of the comics I will be talking about here in a minute. And it's one of these things that, like, you're, we're getting these extra shows. I know uh, Peter uh, Peter Fisher is working on his show um, that is sounding freaking awesome. And then you're helping us out. You're helping us keep the lights on. And we're giving you, we're, we're doing our best to give you extra stuff. And, you know, you can find all this at jamcast.com slash support. It's a monthly charge. Do as little as a dollar. Do as much as you want. We appreciate it. Um, the other way is the Amazon affiliate link that's on there. Go there, shop. And we get Jeff Bezos' money. And I like that idea. <laughs> and, and if you've been holding back on supporting uh, the Galactic Network because you didn't want any of your money going to the people who were giving podcasts of Terror Voice, just feel great about doing it right now because Podcast of Terror is on hiatus. Uh, so pay up now quickly before we come back and uh, you lose your window. True, true. All right, and we are back, and it is time for the Else Views. This is the part of the section of the show where we talk about movies, music, TV shows, video games, anything that we've been you know, enjoying over the past week, or in our guest's case, however far back you want to talk about. Um, since this is your first time on here, <laughs> or Corey, since he hasn't been on here in like four years or whatever. It seems like it's been forever, um, even though it's only been like a month or so. Corey, do you have anything you want to share as you're nerding out? Good Lord, what have I done lately? It's so weird because when I'm not assigned stuff for the for the week for like, oh, this is my review or this is the horror movie I have to watch, I just kind of get to put on the TV and not think about it, and it's beautiful. <laughs> but... Oh, so, so what are some of the things you've been watching then? I, I am going to say one thing that maybe accidentally qualifies is this weekend I watched the one-hour premiere which is basically two episodes of The Return of DuckTales. Oh. I missed that. I so oh. I forgot. Like, like Evan, okay, no, here's the thing. I've been seeing the commercials because last week I talked about uh, Disney XP, or, yeah, the yeah the Disney XP thing, um, where it's got all the, the gaming stuff, and it's sort of like G4.0. Like, it's like the newer version of G4 in this, like, Adult Swim-style block of entertainment. And this past week, they've been advertising the hell out of DuckTales. And I'm like, so excited. Danny Pudi, Kate Micucci, David Tennant, and all this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, that was on Sunday. I forgot. Like, I, I think I was, I think I was honestly busy, like, busy watching Portlandia. Like, so it replayed, like, like, watching... <laughs> it, it replayed a lot through the weekend. And I wouldn't be surprised if you won't see it replay a lot again. Also, I think that they released the episodes online. Uh, so you can watch them. Yeah, Beat said they're available on YouTube. Yeah, I, I think that they're I, I, trying I, to build up viewership. And and it's not going to be actually premiering the show until September. So they kind of pulled a Rick and Morty, except they let people know that it was going to be on. Uh, but you <laughs> watch it a lot the weekend that it comes out, and then eventually it'll come back on again. Well, so here's the thing. Disney's been doing this, and as a 28-year-old who still watches Disney Channel, I can let you know that Disney's been doing this with a lot of their stuff. So, the, uh, for example, with Descendants 2, on Disney, which they aired on like all the Disney-owned channels except for ESPN. It played on ABC. We wound up yeah, watching it. 
Yeah, I don't know if it aired on ABC as well, but on Disney Channel, it did. Which is also oh, they, they played after no, they played afterwards the new Disney Disney Channel series Raven's Home. Oh um, no, on ABC they didn't do that. They played a a basically the the actors and actresses for the movie kind of like sitting and yeah. hanging out and talking about what the the filming and everything was. Which I have to add on my Comcast thing, it was funny because all three of those channels, they did it on Freeform, they did it on ABC or no on Disney Channel and ABC, they're all right there. So it's like, Descendants 2, Descendants 2, Descendants 2. I'm like, no, I don't want to watch Descendants 2. But then they did, they aired Raven's Home after that. So, and it, this is something that they've been, and actually I think Nickelodeon does it too, with like the, the Kids' Choice Awards. Like they always do this a lot. And But I don't think there was anything that they did with DuckTales. It was just like, oh, hey, we're going to air the first two episodes of DuckTales. But, so, I, tell I me. don't know that it took anything more than that. So I'm a, I'm a long-time DuckTales viewer and fan. When the Disney cartoons came out in the in the nineties, or was it the eighties? Man, it was a long time ago. They they uh, premiered with yeah. So they premiered with gummy bears, which you didn't really have any expectations of because it was it was like, well, I, I've eaten gummy bears, but I don't know what the hell this thing is. <laughs> uh, but became one of my my all time favorite cartoons and just a great mythology to it. But then they got around to DuckTales and Chippendales Rescue mm-hmm. Rangers. And then they eventually got to things like Darkwing Duck, Tailspin. And then it got a little weird with Bonkers. But so the Disney cartoons came out at a time when Saturday morning cartoons were fucking going away. And we were getting hit with Zach Morris shit. And, uh, you know, I, I Mark Paul Gosselier is a cool guy. I'm, I'm not going to rip his ass up because uh, I ain't Slater. But I am going to say... <laughs> The the fucking fall of society can easily be traced back to when NBC said, fuck cartoons, we're going to put on this teen bullshit every Saturday instead, and you're going to get hoop dreams instead of fucking anything good. So uh, that pissed me <laughs> off. And then yeah, all how the- else would I have learned that caffeine pills to study are bad? I'm I- so excited. By watching Degrassi? I'm so scared. Degrassi uh, was superior. Degrassi was <laughs> absolutely superior. So was Swan's Crossing. I, I'm just saying, and that that's what caused all the cartoons to go to sub-channels. You had to have extended cable to get the Cartoon Network, which I fought for years to get, and I didn't finally get until I was in my near 30s living in California. Uh, that's already a pisser off. Uh, Nickelodeon got their cartoons. We got Ren and Stimpy and Rugrats, and, and uh, Disney Channel started air in their own cartoons but at least disney was putting the stuff on abc at the time too so you could get up and watch cartoons during your weekends and that's important as a kid that's how young minds wake up on the weekend because fuck there's no other reason to <laughs> my point so, is i like ducktales yeah. <laughs> um so to i'm gonna add on to that because you're talking about but with where you're talking about with them ending is my prime this is also the portion of the show where i make Corey feel extremely old um and i apologize i was going to do this earlier when nate was talking about episode one because where he said he was 14 i was 10 <laughs> and all that so i apologize now but where nbc might have been going away with the cartoons and all that and doing the hoop dreams and i think there was another one that i don't, don't really remember fox was mainly where i watched a lot of the stuff and then uh kids wb on there that was my you know, Saturday morning cartoons, you know, run downstairs. You know, we had the antenna and all that stuff, you know, turn it to the right thing. It's like, oh, it's going fuzzy and hold, you know, get the aluminum foil and all that stuff because we still had that shit. 
and go forth and you know and just watch from eight uh actually i think they had some stuff at 7 a.m but i was lazy and i didn't wake up till eight until like noon and stuff like just for the next four hours watching power rangers and the x-men and all that stuff that from my childhood and all that so i don't know was wasn't that what it was when you were a kid too Corey? you know back in the black and white television days uh, no, we used back to, when our TVs uh, had two knobs. Yeah, we used to hammer out cartoons on stone tablets and uh, and <laughs> threw them at Jews. Uh, I just <laughs> if, if you ever read the Bible and you you see the calf that they put together that was made of gold, boy, is that a political figure right now? Fucking <sighs> shit. Um, anyway, Ducktales. Uh, so okay so, so i'll ask you this i'll ask you this Corey. what did you think of the cast of the cast like how they were all you know involved because we got donald i know donald duck is played by the same guy who, who played um who's done donald duck for a while now and and let but me they, tell you about being 45 years old is at 45 years old you start to realize listening to donald duck talk is a pain in the fucking ass uh <laughs> and the guy does a great donald duck sounds like classic donald and i'm like how the fuck did i ever understand what the shit this guy was saying when I was 10, it's because I had young ears and I gave a fuck. Now I'm like, God damn it, Donald just, it, I started to think, do I need to put on subtitles? I'm like, no, I'll save those for when Tenet shows up because his Scottish broke bullshit is going to be hard enough to deal with. Uh, <laughs> so it starts out very much with Donald and the introduction of of the nephews, the to uh, Bobby Moynihan and Danny Pudi. And and then we get, who's, who, I always forget who's playing Louie. The guy from, from fucking Parks and Rec uh, that hangs out with. Oh. Um, Aziz Ansari? No, who hangs out with Aziz, but God damn it. Oh, I can't um, his name. Uh, Ben. Uh, Morris? His last name? It's more Jewish. <laughs> um, oh shit! Oh, we're at all this episode. Um, Schwartz, Ben Schwartz. Okay, yes, Ben Schwartz. Let's see. So Donald Duck is talking to the nephews, and the the nephew voices are very much not aligned with what I remember the the nephews being like. Also, they're they're a little more '90s extreme. Then they were, they're just like, they're, they're very cool and bullshit millennial kind of crap. And I, I had a problem with it at first. It takes a little yeah. while to get to the point where you can handle this crap. Now, as a kid, I would probably not have a problem. But as an adult, I'm just like, oh, Jesus, is this what it's all going to be about? When they get to the part where they're at Scrooge McDuck's and they're introduced to Webby, played by Kate Musali, who is excellent in it, and she kind of starts leading them around and introducing them to the, the prospects of adventures, and then it all takes off, that's when I warm to it. Because I don't want it to be kids just doing dumb bullshit kid stuff. I liked the aspect that was based off of the Carl, Carl Barks Scrooge McDuck stories from the comics and that's why ducktales was cool it was all the adventures it was very much like a indiana jones with feathers in a way it it, it just it stood out because the storylines could be so enriched and so cool the second episode delves into that more and it's the second episode is very much a continuation from the first episode even though they are separate stories because it's still establishing donald duck being a part of this 
I don't know that I'm in love with Beck Bennett playing Launchpad yet. He's a little too out of it, a little too non-committed to the storyline. He, he's Launchpad was always not simpleton, but not like the the brightest bulb in the pack. Hmm. They just made him a little too much of a dimwit in this so far. Okay, but then I also see a lot of Launchpad being developed in Darkwing Duck which would come later and they always kind of played whether or not Launchpad was the same character between the two because yeah, it's, it's him both times, but he acts quite a bit differently uh, in both shows. So I, okay. Cause I've only seen the commercials, the 5,000 commercials that they've aired during DXP. And so it's like, and it was hearing David Tennant as Scrooge. I'm like, okay, that sounds really cool. And yeah, and I now hearing- really want to see David Tennant relaunch mr ed uh because <laughs> because the guy from mr um, ed did the voice like that for years yeah he's great he's absolutely great he he does an impeccable job with the character it sounds classic uh it sounds authentic which it should <laughs> and he's he's got great personality he he nails it he absolutely nails it and as you go along i think all the characters become a little bit more genuine and endearing and you can handle the change from the original of this that's that's the thing is you update something and you're going to have the people who are the old schoolers and they're going to be like well you know this sucks it's not the way i remember it you're shitting on my childhood ghostbusters and then you're going to have the people who don't give a shit about any of that because they didn't grow up with it and like this is fucking awesome what are you talking about i think it's an awesome show i think that if you are a classic fan give yourself a chance to warm to it and you'll probably enjoy quite a bit and the storylines and stuff that they did. The first episode definitely piloted us. Uh, not a lot, but they corrected for it in the second episode, and it feels very genuine to what the show was before, and I can only see it getting better from here. So the other part that I like, because this is going against... Okay, it, it is, but it isn't going against how a lot of the new cartoons have been going against. Uh, you look at anything, any show that Cartoon Network puts out, they're 15-minute episodes which i do understand you know in my childhood you know garfield bobby's world they uh doug you know stuff like that they did the 15 but they always blocked them together in half hour episodes um so you're always just getting you got us acres and that was garbage (laughs) point taken i like the comic script that it was based on though yes yes (laughs) it just didn't make 15 minutes somehow (laughs) that's actually how i feel about watch when i watch uh like some of the newer peanut stuff that they do for like the the random holidays that aren't christmas or halloween where it's like okay these are all just like little 30 second uh you know bits that you're doing here and you're just well they had a together they had a peanuts cartoon series that was on saturdays uh in the 80s that was shorts that were all tied together in an episode but for the most part they weren't big stories they were smaller stories that felt more akin to the comic strips yeah getting back to what i was going to say the thing that I like about DuckTales is they're all half-hour episodes, which I think, you know, you can get more of a story to where, you know, to pick on Cartoon Network when you are billing these TV episodes, you know, whether it be Steven Universe or Teen Titans Go or We Bear Bears, which has a connection here since Bobby Moynihan voices characters on both shows, where you're talking about, oh, new episodes or a, an event. And it's like, oh, well, this is a 30, you know, it's a 15-minute episode so you got a whole month where you're stretching it out when it's really 
two and a half hours or two hours for if you're only if you're only doing the you know Monday through Thursday for this thing, that doesn't seem smart. You know, well, I think like, it depends on the type of show though too, because they don't do that with Ben Ten. Ben Ten is fifteen minute, I believe. Did they switch it to fifteen minutes? Because it didn't used to be. This new, yeah, the new one, the new ah. with this new art, art style. That because that was the thing they did it with Teen Titans. You know, with Teen Titans, Go, with Teen Titans Go, and it's like. All right, come on, really? Are are the kids that ADD? Yeah, but could I take a full half hour of the light begins to shine, or is fifteen minutes enough? Uh, that that whole thing was a two hour deal. Yeah, they did a two hour event just recently, which I yeah. have not watched yet, and I I will I, I will watch it. I haven't either. Not yeah, it's the same thing. I'll probably watch that next week. So Nate, welcome back. I believe we stalled long enough for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was watching in the car. Oh. So sorry about that. It's a it's oh, no. a minute time commitment that I have five days a week. <laughs> Nate, Nate's beer run. Uh, yeah, no, I have my pumpkin head. I'm good there. But yeah, I mean, so, but what are you drinking? Pumpkin <laughs> head. <laughs> I don't know that Brandon would appreciate that nickname. <laughs> no, that's he didn't say pumpkin head. He just said. <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. Every time we've we've gotten onto this, I'm just waiting for for Nate to just hit hit the the you want to eat the dick button. I don't have my iPad hooked up to my mixer, so I don't have my, I don't have my soundboard. I'm sorry. Where's Ashley? We could get Ashley on the show. <laughs> we want to get JF on the show. God, how many more people do we need to get on this goddamn show right now? Dude, hold on. Hold on. I aim to please. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. Now go ahead. Nothing's better than the 10 minutes of anticipation while Nate sets up his system to be able to play an audio no, clip. No, no. I need to set up my system. I have all my soundboard files on the... So, I I eat the dick. There we go. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, I'm going to switch things over. Uh, Corey and uh, Amy, do you have anything you want to share? I like, do. I do. So, um, I don't know if you guys know, but I work at a uh, friendly local game store. So I got a lot of cool stuff that comes my way. I just pre-ordered a game for the store called Donner Dinner Party, and I'm pretty proud about it. And I'm trying not to let my boss know that I pre-ordered this game for the store because I don't know how he'll <laughs> feel about it exactly. But what I actually want to uh, promote so what, is... What I hear right now, so what I hear right now is don't share this with Amy's boss. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. I'll sell like a dozen of them on the name alone. It's fine. I'm in a college. Oh, it sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, so dare I say it would be more enticing if it was the Dahmer dinner party. <laughs> so, uh, you know what Donner my... party is, Nate? Serial killer. Never mind. I, I know what a serial <laughs> killer is. Do you know what, what the Donner party is? I do. Okay. All right. It was a throwback to the serial killer talk, trying to add some continuity, unlike <laughs> Marvel Comics. Look, another throwback. I am on fucking point. <laughs> You're the Tom Merritt of continuity there. Oh. So, um, <laughs> a, friend of mine, podcasting, so. a friend of mine has made a card game called No Regerts. Uh Nate has played it with me a couple of times now. And it's the game of art and bad decisions. It's a tattoo game. And uh, so it's a, it's a card game in which you get tattoos on your, you have cards and you get tattoos on your body and you encourage other people to get terrible tattoos. And some of them are worth positive points. Some of them are negative, And by the end, you add it all up. Uh, it's really quick to learn, really fast paced. And it's kind of a, it's a good one for like people that like playing games, but have the friends that like don't really like playing. 
So it's that good like middle ground. It's interesting enough if you are a tabletop gamer, but it's not. It's a little. It's something a little bit more than your Cards Against Humanity party game. It is now available on Amazon, but getting Amazon to not autocorrect no regrets is like. I just tried that. <laughs> yeah, it's an ordeal. Uh, so you can get it directly from them at poisonfishgames.com, which is a little simpler because, yeah, Amazon does not like it at all. Uh, yeah, so no regrets, the game of bad decisions. The best was playing with our friend Annalisa, though, because she only wanted to get the tattoos she liked. Like, regardless of what their point value was, she wanted that octopus tattoo. So she she took that one every time, and it was great. <laughs> See, you Absolutely. you described this game, and I, I have to say, this is one of the things that uh, my college group at my church they have. We've done we've done game nights and stuff like this, and yep. they always they always want to play catchphrase, and I fucking hate catchphrase <laughs> because it is not a good it's it's not a good party game. I'm yeah. super I'm just curious about a church group. Do you do you stress that you fucking hate catchphrase? Because that would be. I, I I I do I do censor myself there where I'm like I'm like no I hate catchphrase I do not want to play this you know I've got a whole bunch of games including the contender which is right behind me that we could play that we could have more fun with and actually talk instead of hearing you guys yell it's Sebastian or whatever <laughs> and just these random ass you know words and it's like they're like oh but no it's a, such a fun game for you you're one of the loud people. <laughs> You know, there's Wait, I two like games the- that I will not play with these people. There are two games that I will not play with these. That catchphrase and Space Team. But Naked Twister is okay. Yeah. Well, I have another one you might like, too. Uh, there's a game called Snake Oil yeah. that falls into that. Yes, we've played Snake Oil. Okay. I love Snake Oil. I like Snake yeah. Oil. Snake Oil is a quality game. Yes, um, Snake Oil is sounds awesome. Sounds like that you group s- would absolutely love Action News when that comes out. <laughs> I do want to get Action News as well. So, but it's like there's there are some people in there. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll play. You know, I've played a bunch of the more independent board games, you know, not the Monopoly or, you know, your typical when you think of board games, uh, stuff like that with them. Like, oh, gosh, what was one of the games? Uh, Bang, the Italian. Yep. The Italian Western card game. Yes. Played that the with classic. them. And yeah, it's when I was like, it's like, get out of your little bubble of these mainstream Parker Brothers, Warner Brothers, you know, whatever games that, here. That being said, there is a new version of Monopoly called Monopoly Gamer, and it's Nintendo-based, and it's awesome from what <laughs> I was... I haven't got it yet because the only person I would play it with would be my daughter, and, like, I don't know, 40 bucks is worth the drop. But uh, and if you <laughs> yeah. get it at games... And, and this is another thing, too. Like, you can buy it on Amazon or anywhere... But like, if you go into GameStop, there's a bonus character. You get Bowser. One, I don't think Bowser should be like a no, special just... character. And two, I don't want to go into a GameStop. <laughs> well, had, I had I had cleaned the store before we opened yesterday, and like, I rearranged the shelf where we keep the Monopoly because like we have like all those like we have Sorry and Monopoly. Like if you're new or someone's grandma, and you're just like, oh, I know what that is. Like, great. And like three people bought Monopoly, and I wanted to stop them. I wanted to say, but there's so many good games here. You don't have to do this. We're not at Target. Yeah. It's fine. There are options. But Monopoly has gotten their uh, shit down by making every fucking thing a Monopoly game. There's a Rick and Morty Monopoly coming out. Yeah, it is still Monopoly, though. I did just get Golden Girls Clue. At least Clue's like a good game. 
So, and they're doing Rick and Morty Monopoly, too. Monopoly, okay, see, here's the thing. So the, the problem with Monopoly is very few people who play Monopoly know how to play Monopoly. Like, if you play Monopoly with people who refuse to fucking trade, it is so goddamn annoying. Like, yeah. if you play Monopoly the way that Monopoly was intended to be played, it's great. And then also, like, the modern version, like, so I have Zelda Monopoly because it's Zelda. I've never opened it because it's Monopoly. Uh, <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't opened it because it's Monopoly. But uh, no, so, but there's like the Monopoly, what is it, the here and now where they get rid of all the paper money and you just all get debit cards? Yeah, like, debit yeah. Eliminate the bank. Like, eliminate all the tedious shit. Like, I understand people like their chits and people like their little miniatures and things like that. I just recently got into Warhammer. I am totally cool with the miniatures. Like, that's fine. But don't make me fucking count paper money. I don't like counting real money. I want all, like, I have an <laughs> Apple Watch with my Apple Pay. I don't want cash in my wallet. Like, it just, it just, it, it's cumbersome. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of Rick and Morty, though, they, there are a few Rick and Morty games out now that aren't just like reskins of other games that are really like they're surprisingly on point. Uh, there's a Mr. Meeseeks game, which I haven't had a chance to play it, but it comes in a Meeseeks box and like you hit the button on top and it makes the noise. Uh, there's Total Rickall, which is that that episode where there's all like the fake people, right? Where they've got all the fake memories of people. And so you have to figure out which people actually exist and which people don't. And most excitingly, the most recent one is anatomy park where you are all trying to like build attractions in anatomy park and not die from, you know, the plague or whatever. So good. So to, to stick up for uh, my employer that you insulted earlier, I believe target had the Meeseeks game. Yes. The Mr. Meeseeks game. Yes. Yeah. And I will also point out that Target has quite a few of the games that I enjoy playing um, or want to get. Like they've got, I've have Exploding Kittens, but they have the Party Edition yes. that has the next expansion and all that stuff that I really want to get. And they also have Cards Against Humanity and they have a Exploding Kittens Cards Against Humanity combo crossover like expansion. I'm like, that would be total. Is it totally cool? Kitties Against Humanity. Uh, no, yeah. I forget what it is. It's like the secret expansion pack or something like that. But it's got like I think twenty cards in it. That being, um, and it's only about, like five bucks. The thing about this Target, segment was brought to you by Target. The thing about Target, <laughs> we're not as shitty as Walmart. Almost. Um, before I uh, like kind of got more board game tabletop knowledge from you know friends like Amy and things like that. A lot of my tabletop exposure came from the. Scott Johnson's TMSPM segment when Dan, Dan Tabletop Man would come on and talk about board games and tabletop games. And I like you, like almost every week, there's at least one or every other week that he's on, there's at least one game that he mentions is a Target exclusive. So apparently, mm -hmm. Target is doing something right in the board yes. game world. Yeah, like the, we uh, cannot carry Cards Against Humanity unless we order them off Amazon and mark it up because they will not deal with distributors other than Target. Right. So yeah. Target's doing something right. Um, and, and I will I will point out that this past holiday season, we could not keep the base deck in there. We couldn't keep these separate expansions. I, I love the fact that they actually they went to the the different like the green box, red box, blue box, where it has three expansions in there at a time. Yep. And all that. And we've like we'd get calls all the time. And it's like holiday season, I'd be like Hi, this, uh, welcome to Target. We don't have the Nintendo Switch. We don't have Cards Against Humanity. We don't have the Nintendo Classic. Like, we oh, okay, have. bye. 
it's like, I get somebody because I'd be like, hello, how can I help you? And they're like, do you guys got the Nintendo? Nope. Do you guys got this? Nope. Do you guys got, nope. <laughs> like, they'd ask for what we don't have. I got really tired. Like, so I, my first exposure to Cards Against Humanity was at BlizzCon in 2014. I had never played it. So we played it drunk in the Hilton at BlizzCon and it was great. I loved it. I thought it was awesome because I am crude. Yeah. And if you can give me a reason to say <laughs> like biggest blackest dick, like in a large crowd, then I like the game. Cause it's funny. I can give you a reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I know I picked the wrong card. Yeah. So I ended up, I bought it all. I, I, I spurged on the whole thing. I got the whole thing. I got the biggest blackest box. Like I got all of it. Um, that was a intentional word choice. So, uh, and then I let a friend of mine borrow it like eight months ago. I haven't got it back and I don't even care. Like I've, I got so bored of that game. I mean, not only is the contender like a more entertaining version of it to me. Now we've got action news coming out, which is similar and even more entertaining, but has more longevity because you don't need a election going on for it to be entertaining. Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, cards is great. And yeah, it was adult apples to apples. So cool. But I just think, I mean, it's great because it, it got people into almost like what Amy was saying with no regrets. Like, it's great because it's almost like it's that good cherry popper for non-tabletop players. And cards was good for that, too, because everybody likes to swear. So, yeah. it, and it's easy. You know, you have black cards and white cards. You segregate your cards and then you swear at each other. So it worked out really well. But I think once you kind of develop a taste for whether they're card games or, or miniatures games or whatever, once you develop a taste for tabletop, I think you very quickly get bored of cards against humanity. I have yeah. a card with my name on it and that is worth it to me, but otherwise, yeah. That's see, this is one of the things that like, like I've only ever played cards against humanity online with my Minecraft friends. Yeah. Like doing the uh, pretend your XYZ website yep. Yep. and stuff like that. And it's, and I could always tell when someone plays the wild cards because you know with the typing it in because it'll either be extremely personal about one of our friends or it's the biggest blackest dick because i'm the cards are and i tell people how, how much that card makes me laugh and they never put the period at the end yep so i'm like you wasted your card i am not picking yours because you wasted it <laughs> like i met a game hard on that in all <laughs> honesty well then but yeah so that's no regrets <laughs> which yeah. I immediately went to the Snickers commercial when Amy first said that, <laughs> like regrets. So Nate, I'm gonna say because I'm gonna say mine for last. Mine's really quick. Nate, what are you? What are you? Have you been watching this past? You know, however long, far, far back you want to go. Okay, so really quickly, so watching. Um, I just finished the Amazon original, and I know it's been out for a little while, but the Amazon original series with uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Goliath which nice. was absolutely amazing. Uh, it's It got renewed for a second season, which is exciting. I love Billy Bob Thornton. So it's eight episodes. They're roughly about an hour apiece. And it starts off where he is a, uh, a defunct attorney. He's He's got an alcohol problem. He has a prostitution problem. And, you know, it's Billy Bob Thornton. So <laughs> he ends up getting asked to do like the show starts off with two Hispanic guys that are fishing on a boat and another boat blows up in front of them. And then it's like two years later. So there's this whole case going on where there's this guy who worked for this big weapons manufacturing company who it was ruled that he committed suicide and his sister believes that he doesn't, there's no way that he possibly did. So her friend hired tries to get Billy and the company he used to work for 
is the attorney for the weapons contractor and they will not return her calls. So the whole episode one, it all starts with her trying to get him to get her an in to the company to at least do something with this court case. It just completely untangles from there. And there's this massive, huge corporate cover up and it ends really, really well. The first Amazon original series I've watched entirely. Um, I've tried so hard to watch man on the high castle because I love the, the context of it, but I just, I could keep falling asleep. It gets drawn out way too much for me. So I finished it and I loved it and I'm really excited for season two. And nice. Yeah. Other than that, David Kelly and Jonathan Shapiro, that is some great pedigree there. It's an awesome, awesome cast. And again, it's Billy Bob Thornton. He's, I I love him in everything. He's, he's, I'm a big fan of his. I mean, even crap like bad Santa and bad Santa Two. like bad Santa was great in its own right, but like bad Santa Two. bad Santa Two was absolutely horrible, but he was still in (laughs) Well, it was him and then the the redhead that was in it too. But, you know, because you have to have the fuck me Santa moment. But, um, I mean, that's just a bad Santa. That's a bad Santa staple. Evan in the internal chat there. Yeah, Fargo season one. I haven't watched Fargo yet. I've never even seen the movie, but I, I hear nothing but good things about the show. So I have to watch that at some point. The show that, is phenomenal. Is it? Other than that, I haven't really been watching much other than, I mean, we, I watched American Beauty for the podcast for, on Sunday, but but no, otherwise it's been gaming. I mentioned earlier the Path of Exile stuff. I tried out the new patch. No Man's Sky, the complete bomb that came out a year ago, finally got a massive patch that added like 30 hours of story content. So it's actually a game now. I've been playing that a little bit. And then the big one that I'm super excited about, and it's probably what I'm going to do once we're done with the show here, is Agents of Mayhem, which is done by Violition. It's the same... <clears throat> the same people that made all the Saints Row games, but now it's it's if you guys are familiar with Crackdown for the Xbox 360, it's mm-hmm. uh, similar idea. It's open world. It's it's cell shaded. You have these superpowers and you it's level from up. the Saints Row people, right? Yeah, that's what I said. Well, you said Crackdown. I have no idea what that reference is, buddy. Oh, sorry. no, no, no. no. I'm, well, I said before that I said it's by Violition, oh. the same people who made Saints Row. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was I was reading the show notes. While you were talking, <laughs> so I wasn't paying attention. How's that for continuity, Nate? Actually, I'll copy. I'm looking at pictures of Christina Hendricks because she was in Bat Santa too, and because she's that's, what, that's what I was saying. The redhead, yeah, <laughs> Christina the Hendricks, redhead, Christina Hendricks, and her boobs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, that you they you always have to introduce them as two separate people. Vin Diesel and Bruce Willis. Right there, you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you gave them men's names. Says a lot about your personality. No, there's a great video meme of of her boobs, and you see Bruce Willis is is one of them, and then Vin Diesel is the other one. Their faces just kind of pop out from in behind her oh, shirt. I've never seen it. I'll have to look it that up. It is tremendous. But anyway, yeah. So Agents of Mayhem, uh, I've put probably about an hour, hour and a half into it so far. It's a lot of fun. The story's over the top and kooky, like you'd expect from those guys. If you get it on Green Man Gaming right now. Uh, I can't speak for Steam and I can't speak for consoles, but I, I just got it yesterday. If you get it for Green Man Gaming, not only is it not 60, it's only 45 because Green Man Gaming is awesome. You do still get the day one and pre-order bonuses, which means you get some extra skins. And one of the skins, back to the comic books, one of the skins for one of the characters you get. So you start off with three agents. You get this big dude who wields a shotgun, this tiny chick who wields dual Uzis and uh, then like your action hero star with the assault rifle the skin he gets I forget what they call it but it's Iron Man it makes his suit red and gold and the agents of mayhem symbol on his chest lights up like Iron Man Uh, he's got the Robert Downey Jr. uh, pencil mustache and goatee and stuff so that's pretty cool 
But you also get, if you're familiar with the Saints Row series, uh, you get Johnny Gat as a playable agent, which is really cool. But no, I mean, it's violation. They make great stuff other than Saints Row 1. But 2 and on, we're good. <laughs> yes, I think think i yeah i played saints row the third and oh yeah i played it on pc because my yeah the i was playing it on my old my gaming pc that just wanted to freeze at certain times it was be, always been the same they, mission I'm like fucker they weren't they weren't all that well up two and three weren't that well optimized for pc four uh and get out of hell were great on pc because they finally realized yeah. that they had a market there no it, it's really interesting with violation and saints row because saints row one started as a grand theft auto ripoff like it was out it was just i forget the exact date it came out someone might be able to look but i know it was somewhere within that year bracket like a, a few years before or at least out I, I was it would have been after but somewhere within the market of like grand theft auto san andreas and grand yeah. theft auto 4. i believe it was either just before or just after grand theft auto 4 but anyway it's not important but they were really trying to ride the <laughs> san andreas hype it was very ghetto you were in the saints gang you know it was big jumping cars and and the, the hydraulics and it, like everything was just stupid like it, it, they they really tried to go off the uh the san andreas hype they did it really really bad it was horrible. It was buggy. It didn't have all the features that Grand Theft Auto had. And I'm amazed another one came out. They realized that it wasn't going to do them any good to try and copy Grand Theft Auto because GTA and Rockstar, similar idea like with Blizzard, like they do what they do and they do it right. So don't yeah. try and copy it. So they took Saints Row down like a not so serious path and two got wacky, three got <laughs> even wackier. And then we got four. And again, get out of hell. You had like Burt Reynolds as the mayor one time. And it was great because the first time you meet him, you walk into the room and they actually say Burt fucking Reynolds. So everyone wanted that moment. I was going to say, it's, it's interesting because so many times people will try and do copycats and they'll fail. And in this situation, the copycat made them realize to do something different. And then they became one of the most original and unique open world sandbox games out there. So I will say with Saints Row, because I've played three and I watched you know, the reviews of it when it was coming out because they had, uh, Destructor had their own uh, TV, or well, not TV, the uh, podcast thing on Revision 3. And the promotional stuff, like the pre-order stuff you got, you got a giant dildo baseball bat that was one of the weapons for right. Saints Row Third. And I'm like, what the, f like, we're talking six, like five foot long kendo stick dildo combo thing that at the end just flopped around and I'm like, good God, well, man. That was the thing is like Grand Theft Auto tried to do that a little bit. Like you could find a yeah. dildo in the strip club in San Andreas. And you know, yeah, you can, you know, have sex with a prostitute and then kill her afterwards to get your money back. Like there's some things you can do in Grand Theft Auto, you know, respect to women and everything that Rockstar does so well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but the thing about Saints Row is, is it took it to the next level. Like, you know, you'd mentioned the big, the big dildo bat. Yeah. And then put yourself in a gimp suit and run around and hit people with it. It was really funny. Like there was a, there was a special gun you could get where you, when you shot people with it and made like everyone you hit with it, do the pelvic thrust. So, <laughs> They just they went way over the top and it worked really well for them. And you ended up getting like an alien invasion. And then like, again, Gat died in four spoilers. And then that's that was the whole premise behind like the Gat out of hell DLC. And like you were like fighting demons in hell because Johnny Gat's awesome. Uh, I was super pumped when I saw that he was playable in this. But yeah, they're very superhero like in this one. It, it, it's even more so over the top. Uh, you've got very stereotypical like 80s movie villain, like B movie villains. The the vulgarity is there. The acting is cheesy. It's everything you're looking for from these guys. And it's a lot of fun. And it for me, the thing I like 
because some games don't do it. It runs an ultra wide, so it looks really beautiful on my monitor. So mine, uh, real quick, I got two comic books. It would have been three, but the I didn't have time to read the third the third one. And it's Marvel Generations. So Marvel's been doing this thing, preparing for Marvel Legacy. And Corey's gonna go play, is gonna bitch because this is also while Secret Empire is going on um, and wrapping up. But they've been doing like this is the third issue. This is uh, Wolverine. This is all new Wolverine and uh, Wolverine. So it's Laura Kinney and Logan. But they've done these team up with the new character with the old original character, which is cool to see because you have uh, Captain Marvel Marvel with Carol Danvers Marvel Captain Marvel. Uh, so she's the newer version, and then you go to um, I know the book's called uh, the Marvels, and it's. Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, and Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel. And they've been telling these stories. Uh, the first issue was Banner Hulk and the Totally Awesome Hulk. Um, it's called The Strongest. And it just tells these stories. You, you go always, you're always going through this through the eyes of the younger character. So you're go, like the, this issue you're going through with Amadeus Cho, who had cured the Hulk, and then the Hulk, and then Bruce Banner had died from events of shitty writing. So, so, uh, shitty writing, aka Civil War Two, and you get. And so he's like, wait, this isn't happening. And they're tr he's sort of trying to figure things out while learning how to be a better Hulk from the Hulk. And then you go to Generations with uh, Phoenix and Jean Grey. This one is called, was called the Phoenix. And you have Jean Grey, who's the time-displaced. Corey will, will, will bash on this. The time-displaced, uh, dimension-displaced uh, mutant from the uh, X-Men first class into the uh, current Marvel Universe where she's, you know, everyone knows, oh, Jean Grey becomes the Phoenix. And she's having to deal with the pressures of becoming the phoenix and we see this as she meets jean gray who just became the phoenix the thing i like about all these is they've got the writers like they've picked with all the writers and artists that they've picked for this it's been really great you know people who understand these characters and are making compelling stories so for example the uh, third issue that came out this week uh, generations the best which is the wolverine books is written by Tom Taylor, who is doing the all-new Wolverine story. It's one of these, like, you look at all of these books, and I'm like, these are really good mini self-contained stories. They're not leading to anything. It's more of, you know, one-shots where you're getting, you know, complete story, like Corey was mentioning when we were talking about comics in the news story, in the news segment. They're so, oh, it's, it's one of these things, like, I can't explain it because one, I sort of, for, not, not forgot, but it's back burner because I'm like, okay, this week's comics but they're, they're telling compelling stories you see with for example with the phoenix story you're following jean gray as the young jean gray she's like wait well what's going on because she knows everything that has happened to this phoenix to this older uh jean gray so she's with the dilemma do i tell her do i alter history you know by, by telling her hey you're gonna go crazy you know the mastermind's gonna take over your mind and you know make you kill all the mutants and all this stuff and you know the events that happen with uh phoenix saga i believe or do i just let her go and the, she realizes you know she's like ah, i'll let her go because it's not my place to tell i like it i don't think i don't cry i honestly i don't know if you would like it or not because you've been out of comics for a while well part of it is i'm gonna call bullshit on do i alter history by telling the gene gray character <laughs> anything about her life oh by the way i'm already altering history by the fact that i exist in the current day uh even though i'm supposed to have been from years before it, it, mm, man just such shit uh yeah. top of that yeah it's probably not for me but I, yeah. I i've seen the creators that are doing these books and i i agree with you they're very good people 
Uh, so if you if you want to pick some of your your top creators to work on stuff and to work on this kind of project, the Marvel absolutely has. I, I don't question the quality other than the fact that I question some of the premises. Yeah. Is this really anything? It sounds like stuff that it's a one off story that really is going to have no impact in the long run, because I don't know that any of these characters really can impact their original versions or are going to be able to carry the story going forward in their own books. And I know it's been kind of pitched that way, but they also said it's not imaginary. It's not a time travel story. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is it? Marvel doesn't know. Uh, they didn't know yeah, how to I sell it. Yeah, I think Marvel is, I don't know if, yeah, I don't think they really know how they sell it because on one hand, it looks like this is all lead into to Marvel Legacy, like the Marvel Legacy one shot. It just feels like a wank fest to me. And it's a problem that I have with Marvel overall in the editorial capacity, but not on the creator capacity. The creators no. are good. And if you're enjoying what Marvel is doing, or if you're enjoying the, the promise of what Marvel Legacy is going to lead into, then you will likely enjoy this, it sounds like. And that's yes. that's perfectly okay. I'm not here to shit in anybody else's good time. I'm just here to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that is our nerding out or else or else. Really I don't yeah. know what's next, but I have a very important question for you. Okay. I have a very important answer. All right. What is your opinion on Baron Corbin cashing in money in the bank five days before SummerSlam? <laughs> <laughs> so I, t I, this is one of the moments because again, I am a wrestling fan. Um, I've been contemplating a wrestling show for galactic network it's just been like okay i need to get my schedule going on and you know who do i have as a co-host you're talking you know, to the right guy because yes, i believe he, nate just we just know i'm doing a wrestling show we just rendered our ended our wrestling podcast not for a lack of love but just because it was no time so yeah. by all means after we are off air i will have conversations with you <laughs> I looked at that, and as soon as I, like he's like cash in, cash in, and I'm like, okay, this is he's he's doing the edge route with Ed, you know, with Edge winning the first Money in the Bank and doing all that stuff. You then see John Cena come up on the apron, and I'm like, Baron Corbin is a fucking moron because I knew for a fact, and I'm like, and it made sense. It, it's one of those things that it infuriates me with the Money in the Bank pay per view because you had other wrestlers who could have gotten the push. Baron Corbin could have gotten the push could have become that main event wrestler yeah that, but just having a feud with john cena not qualify him as a main event wrestler i mean cena it, is it, the hope of the day yes it does but it's also one of those things that you could have used this to be like to be a main eventer in the same way john cena is a main eventer not right. in the way of mick foley as a main eventer mick foley is not known for his title runs right Mick Foley is known for being Cactus Jack, Dude Love, Mankind. Right. And yeah. No, 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 for sure. All right. So really quick, we, I mean, I, I know the show's already long, and I know we are two wrestling fans in a group of six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the rumor or the speculation going into SummerSlam prior to Tuesday when he cashed in, because, okay, so we had, now we have an issue at SummerSlam because the, the one of the only matches worth caring about is Jinder versus Shinsuke, right? Yes. So... That being said, we don't want Shinsuke to lose yet, but are they going to give him the title yet? I mean, I don't want Jinder to have the goddamn belt anymore because fuck that guy. But so here's the thing. Like the, the speculation was that Shinsuke was going to be about to win or about to lose regardless. 
Baron would cash in, get the belt off Jinder. Because almost everybody wants the belt off Jinder. He was there to sell merch in India. He did it, which doesn't even make any sense because he's Canadian, but whatever. Yes. They, so he has served his purpose. He's done. The feud with Orton is over. So now the, they, they only have two options. Either you, you give Shinsuke a loss and you take away the, the, the steam roll that he's on right now, or you give him the belt. Is he ready for the belt? Now, they gave Balor the belt early last year, and then unfortunately he got injured. I would love to have seen Balor hold onto the belt longer. I hope he gets a title yes. run again soon. But do we give Shinsuke the belt or do we make him look weak to gender? I say give him the belt because then you have, I believe, SmackDown has the second pay-per-view in September. Yeah. So there there will be build up for a rivalry with Jinder Mahal, you know, as as the bad guy, as the heel, and Shinsuke as the face as the good guy and all that. And you have this, you know, epic battle between the two of them. You know, it still does the you still have the benefit of Jinder Mahal being the helping sell the merchandise in india helping to you know to launch the tv show that's over there that's raking in the money right um, that sony's i think sony's producing it or whatever well they got a national so it's gonna make sense yeah the same reason why like when the u.s announces they go to war you put cena as champion and back in the 80s you made hogan champion 90s you you know what i mean you they they do really good at riding the pop culture wave Um, oh yeah issue right now is just we don't relate to gender so like we don't care and it's honestly it's one of those things like i would i would say you give it to shinsuke because you're you're opening up a bunch of of great matches to be had with other wrestlers with him the belt not only a bunch of first time encounters but you also have a bunch of rematches from new japan like AJ would be amazing they're on different programs and he's not full-time but i would love to see a shinsuke brock lesnar rematch now, yeah. Grant Brock can't wrestle the way he the, the, to the the caliber he used to be able to, but Shinsuke Lesnar would be great. Uh, you know, so there's a lot I would love to see. And again, th- that's the only problem with the brand split. I'd love to sh- see Shinsuke versus Balor. That yeah. Would be awesome. Oh yeah. Speaking yeah. of Balor, especially after the bloodbath, that's the only other match I'm looking forward to is Bray Wyatt versus Balor. I yeah. picked up. Uh, where is it? I got this guy at Fye. Nice. I was super excited yeah. about that. For for the audio listeners, he is holding up a Funko Pop of Finn Balor as the demon. Yeah, it's the Fye exclusive. Yeah, found it in um, a mall in the middle of nowhere. I, I'm going to say the one thing I that I've been a little with the WWE, and it's not the fact that Kurt Angle is the GM; it's the fact that the rest that the fans have such a hard nostalgia boner for him that while he's making a match, he is talking. The music, his music is not going. They're still going, you suck. You suck. No, I mean, that's, I get your point. But the first night that he came back out on Raw and like he was coming out and they were doing the you suck chant and he was just smiling and the man was almost in tears. Like it's it's endearing for him and that's awesome. Uh, And and I'm not taking that away. I'm not taking that part away. When, when Stolt Cole was doing it and then for like years after and even sometimes still, like people couldn't talk without the what's yeah. uh, with Daniel Bryan. It was the yes or the nose, uh, you know, so it's cool that he has that power. I can't stand angle. I couldn't stand him back in the day. I can't stand him so much. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't mind him now, but like when they found out he was coming back, I'm like, why? I'm like, who gives a shit? It's angle, like whatever. But now that he's back, like, I mean, I don't know if the man's doing it well. And that stupid shit that they did with 
uh, with Roman Reigns and Strowman at the one of the last pay per views. Yeah. He like put him into the eighteen wheeler or into the trailer. Yeah. Like man, that stunt was dumb but angle was selling that like you would have thought that that oh, shit yeah. was real <laughs> this uh, is I, I will say i will say this on that part i do not like braun Strowman as as a character i like him better I, than I have, Roman reigns because yeah well, well but here, here's the thing though roman reigns will actually sell a match when you've got you know braun Strowman versus another big man Versus, I'll even put it this way, because there were rumors a long time ago with WrestleMania that he he was going to wrestle Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. It was going to be a one-on-one match, him versus Brock Lesnar. I'm like, okay, so you got a person who will sell for certain people, Brock Lesnar, which you you found out with a Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view with him selling perfectly. That was a brilliant match with him and Samoa Joe. And then you got Braun Strowman, who seems to never sell it's and i'm like what the fuck why is this guy on raw why is this guy on your flagship show he should be down in nxt learning how to sell i disagree that raw is like that's okay i mean i get it it's flagship when it comes to the roster smackdown has the better men's roster and raw has the better women's no yeah yeah no i would agree with you on that but you look at it you always like yeah it's that's the staple show that's been on for speaking of the roster can we fucking take the belt off naomi already I mean, I love the Raw division. Keep the belt on Bliss for as long as you want because it gives her more mic time. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. And then you've got Lana. Just don't have her doing This Is Your Life segment. Now, and it's like, I, don't, I mean, the women are doing great. Like, Banks is awesome. Flair is awesome. Speaking of Flair, I mean, Ric Flair is going through some major health things right now. So, Nature yeah. Boy might not be around much longer. You know, so, I mean, the, the women's roster is doing great. But, like, you know, you've got Naomi, who's a weak point. Bailey, who's a massive weak point. The uh, the heart niece, who's a major weak point. Like, make Becky Lynch. Give Becky Lynch a, a title run. Like, why hasn't she been yeah. one of the best performers in there? Yeah, she's the first. She's the first SmackDown Women's Champion. But she only held it, she held it for such a short time. Right. Yeah. But I like the fact that, you know, they got him doing ladder matches. That shit with the idiot was dumb, but whatever. Um, they got him doing ladder matches. They put him in a hell in a cell. Like they're doing like full legit wrestling matches. Now I like the fact that it's the women's division and not the divas. Like they're yeah. giving it legitimacy and it's about time. One thing we talked about on that was awesome before we ended the, sh- the podcast was that it would be like, they should do what they do with two Oh five live and they should give the women their own show on the network. Yeah. Uh, and then they, that would let them be the focal point. Just having them have one or two one-off matches on the weekly shows, I don't think is enough because they're doing great work. That's something that I'm hoping with the May Young Classic. I'm, I've still been hoping with that with the UK. With the, yeah, with the UK show oh because God, I'll tell you, amazing. Oh yeah, the the this is the thing. The Tyler Bay Pete Dunn match was Pete fucking Dunn. awesome at Takedown at, or yeah. at Takeover Chicago. Yes, that was it one was. Of those that match was incredible. Yeah, and that was one of those matches. Yeah, that was one of those matches where, since I live in Michigan, I'm like, okay, I'm not too far from there. I'm like, oh, I wish I was there. Yeah. So, so we had a big. We we did a big. That was awesome. Special that that Sunday. We did it for. Uh, we did the UK tournament. We did NXT, and then we did whatever pay per view that was. I forget. But by far the the that the match with Pete Dunn, both matches with Pete Dunn, the one in the UK tournament and the one on NXT. Both of those matches were phenomenal. Yeah. Some young talent there who is really, and I mean, and and it's no surprise to anybody. If you want to watch the better show, you watch NXT. Yeah. You know, you get better story, better drama, better, bigger, larger, you know, larger pop characters on the, the, the shows proper. But if you want to watch better wrestling, watch NXT. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the one thing that I've, I've loved with, 
you know, seeing Bobby Roode and yeah, um, you know, all the all the old TNA guys over, you know, jumping over into here, yeah. putting on killer and these, you know, WWE getting people from New Japan and all over the world. By the way, I think we started our wrestling podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, do- <laughs> All we gotta do is just figure out time and all that stuff. Uh, I think we're boring everybody else. So, but yeah, so stay tuned. We, we, me and Nate, me and Nate are probably gonna ham, hammer this whole thing out by when we go off the air. But yeah, we'll we'll kill it for now because Corey came here like. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed <laughs> watching you guys hammer each other. That's fine. Well, actually, to, and to be fair, because Corey Corey posted here, I am gonna share this. Um, you know, he does you know drag drag the show into as he calls it Corey Land, forcing me to listen to a lot of things. This is now. Wait, were were you on with when we had Joey Image? Or were no, you not? I no. Not. Okay. Uh, so Sean has also got Sean has also been uh, dragged over to uh, Gregor World, where we talk about wrestling all the damn time. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I bet, man. You put Joey on there, yeah, yeah. Joey, yeah, I, think that's I, who I started with Joey's episode, and then I had to duck out. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah. I, I caught the beginning of it. That's uh, one of the things that like I've been looking at is like you know get Joey in on here, but I'm like, can we do a three man broadcasting thing here? But no. I'm excited for this. I'm, we're going to talk more later, but uh, we should take a break. Are ghosts or Bigfoot real? Whatever happened to all that stuff that went missing in the Bermuda Triangle? Did the U.S. government experiment with time travel? Is there a secret society really running the world? Hell if we know, but you're guaranteed to hear us try to figure it out on the Weird World Weekly podcast. If it's the paranormal, conspiratorial, mythological, unexplained, or anything else strange. We talk about it. Find us on your favorite podcast app or by going to gncasts.com slash weird. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com slash weird. And we are back and it is time for the else words. This is the main discussion topic of the show. Um, because we haven't had been talking for you know three hours or whatever. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is it. Um, it's just one story, and it's uh, it's oh, it's this actually, is a big one though. Yeah, this is the big one. This is the uh, Netflix co- co-founder has a crazy plan. Pay ten dollars a month, go to the movies all you want. He's he did this before. So the the company is called Movie Pass, and they did this before. And this is Mitch Lowe that started this out. And he, when he started the company, it was hitting at gym at like the gym membership type show or type deal so 30 dollars a month you go to movies as many times as you want so you go like for in my area you go to three shows you've already paid for your month subscription uh, for the service but he was like okay we'll make more money off of people spending the 30 dollars not doing anything with it you know maybe seeing one movie they announced that they're lowering the price they're still and also i will point out they're not a publicly traded company they're in the article that we've got uh, from bloomberg they're talking about IPOing and all this stuff. The problem I have with this, and I, I, I'm curious for you guys, this doesn't seem like a winning formula. Like I'm trying to figure out because for for you know for Michigan for you know out in the boonies, Michigan, nine dollars fifty cents for an evening ticket is what it is. You know, it's and I understand like you know, Corey's probably paying like twenty bucks for one ticket out in California and stuff like that. But you know, it's I, I think the average is like twelve dollars, I believe, for a ticket. Yeah, I think like for if you if you're not going during a matinee, it I think it's around twelve dollars. Yeah. So, what do you guys think of this? Like, uh, as an idea, let's start with that. What do you guys think of of Movie Pass as an idea? I think it's ten years too late. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't 
think anybody cares anymore. I don't. I don't care. I wouldn't do it. I mean, yeah, I don't care. Uh, give but me. It's, it's give for me, any movie, yeah. so it's ten dollars a month. Give me a way to watch them at home. Like, let me stream it opening night. Like, get get rid of the movie theaters. Like, well, I mean, don't get rid of them. Whatever. Some people like the experience. It's a family night for some people. That's fine. I took my daughter to see Guardians too. In, unless you're talking about a massive spectacle like Star Wars or. It's just something like Warcraft, which I just, you know, I, I don't want to wait to see it. Like, I, I don't care. I'm not going to go to the theater. Uh, give me a way to watch it at home. Give me a subscription service at home. I don't care. Make me pay 40 bucks to rent it. I would pay 40 bucks to watch it once streaming opening night over going to a theater. Because after your tickets and the concessions and everything else, you get four friends together. You pitch in 10 bucks a pop. That's your movie night right there. These days, the vast majority, and, and, and I feel fairly safe saying this, the vast majority of people that would care enough to pay that much to watch it at home probably have at least a 1080p TV that's decently sized, if not a 4K. You can pick up a 4K for 500 bucks these days. They're not a commodity anymore. You know, I mean, that, so... But you still also have to have a good enough streaming system set up for it too, which many yep. people in this country do not. If they if they have a streaming, oh, you mean like like, like internet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 I I get that. Are that's you talking pay per view through cable or something that's different? Yeah, no, that that's completely true. I mean, then then give me a way so like when you rent a movie on iTunes, you pay your money, you download the file, the file is accessible for twenty four hours. Like, let me do it that way. Do it through iTunes. I don't care. I mean, obviously, I don't care because I'm the Apple fanboy. But do it through Amazon. <laughs> do, it, do it through somebody. But give me a way to watch it at home. Um, it's the same, I mean, you know, and, and we, I, I won't tangent. I know it's already late. It's the same. It, I mean, I had this argument recently with comic books with somebody like my big contention with comic books is that I shouldn't have to pay the same price for digital as I do physical. Cause I'm not actually buying a product. It doesn't cost them any money for that, but I get that they do it because it keeps the brick and mortars in business. That's fine. And it's the same thing with the movie theaters. Like you have millions upon millions of dollars worth of revenue that stands to be lost if you give people the chance to watch it at home, the money goes directly into the pockets of the, the movie producers or the, the, the production companies and goes away from the theaters, which I think is good because they get more of the money, which they're the people actually making the product. It's the same mentality of why I won't buy a used game at GameStop because I'm not paying GameStop to make the game. I won't buy a used title because GameStop gets all the money. So more of the money goes to the developers. It's more convenient for most people like give like again the movie passes 10 years too late give me a way to watch them at home because if not the well, people pirate them so the other part i will add uh, well let the, the other part yeah, well then i'll add because this might help this might affect it as beat put out in the chat this doesn't include 3d or imax and it also limits this these the screenings you can do for to one a day so does that change your opinion amy before we get into what your opinion was I um I don't go to the movies. I go once, maybe twice a year. I pay for the ridiculous price to go to Lux level where I can have my assigned giant armchair seat in the balcony above all the common people. <laughs> and that's it. I do not I do not enjoy going to the movies. I haven't since, you know, high school. And that was just to get out of my house. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, that's who you're going to get. You're going to get, like, it's only good for people that just want to get out of their house. The high school and college kids. Yeah. It's be their target market. Well, I mean, Mark Roger, who's a movie review podcast friend of ours, he has been doing the movie pass thing for quite a while at the $50 level to, to get this kind of deal. And seeing it drop to the $10 level may encourage more people. The problem is, is that I can't think of 
months where I have more than one movie that I'd want to see in the theater, or they're all bunched up in a couple of months. And then for the rest of the year, there's, there's fuck all that I want to see. And so it, it really would depend on the output for what these films are. And, and, and I agree with, with Nate and Amy that, I would rather watch stuff at home and the theater experience for me isn't hugely enticing. I don't mind going to see a movie in the theater. I enjoy it. I usually go by myself. So that's the other part is, do I get a subscription for my wife on the occasion that she might want to go see something? Because I know we're going to wind up seeing it in the theater. But most of the time, it's going to be me watching Marvel films. It's going to be me watching Star Wars films. And unless it's Guardians of the Galaxy, it's not something that she's really going to be into. But if you're a movie buff... This is amazing. Or if you're someone who's on the cusp of being a movie buff, or if you're in New York and you've got a theater that's right down the block from you or something, and and that's how you get your entertainment. I can totally see that. It's just that for people like us, who are people who are more dependent on devices, more dependent on streaming, more dependent on having a huge variety of entertainment available to us. So what is this really selling us on? I don't think it's going to be something that we're going to jump at. But I do see that there are quite a few people out there, maybe in more rural areas, that could love something like this. But it doesn't include popcorn. Right. Yeah, that's that's the other part. Is like, it's definitely uh, getting like to where the movie theaters would only be getting their money off of the, the concession stands, which is also where it leads into the other part of the article uh, as an update. The AMC movie chain, which we just got like the as I've shared with this on the show before, uh, my town, we have two movie theaters that are right across the street from each other. So it's really fun when they both have the same exact movies out. It's just like, oh, well, they might have the 3D one. And, oh, they have the 3D in this movie and stuff like that. But the one that I haven't been going to, they just got bought by AMC, which is hilarious because it's still the sign outside still says GKC. But they're like, no, we're uh, we're owned by other people now. AMC has said that they're gonna they're pursuing legal actions for this the movie pass to not be allowed there. And I honestly I look at this like and as Evan asks, you know, would this get you to see more movies uh, you would not otherwise see? I'm coming off of with the disposable income, which is on a brief hold while I'm you know getting while I'm in the new job. The uh, I was seeing every like every Thursday I was seeing a new movie for the past month because it was you know oh well this movie came out and this movie came out and. Oh, I didn't get a chance to go see this, so I'm gonna go see the I'm gonna go see, you know, Baby Driver, you know, three weeks after it came out and enjoy the movie, even though there were two assholes behind me who wanted to talk and be on their phone during the movie, because I didn't hear the goddamn Eminem's commercial where it's like, shut off your phone and shit like that. <laughs> um sorry, I'm not bitter at all. Cause I'm it's like I'm right there with you, but at the same time, I look at this like I've got a 40 inch 4K TV behind me. I don't have, you know, a way to where I could really watch it. T- watch something like guardians of the galaxy or you know uh wonder woman on a massive scale so it's like it's going to be go down to the movies and you know watch it there with friends that you meet there you know because i'm you know much like Corey, i will end up going by myself because people will be like oh, i don't want to go to, i don't want to go see that it's like y'all suck i'm going to the movies <laughs> i'm going to see I baby had. driver or whatever i kind of wish i had a little bit more like i mean the majority of my movie watching is on an ipad with airpods like the surat, whatever. Like yeah. I've got digital seven point one surround sound headphones for my gaming. Give me AirPods for the movie. I don't care. No, like I said, like <clears throat> uh, I mean, I have the four K. It's a fourth monitor for the computer. It very rarely gets like big budget movies on it. 
because I'm I'm not gonna sit in my room for two hours and watch a movie. I'm gonna watch it at work when I'm doing something else. Like I'm gonna watch it on the go. It's kind of the same reason why I don't read books. I listen to audiobooks because I can listen to an audiobook while doing something else. That to me is part of the reason why I go to the movies is because aside from the if you do wind up in a room full of assholes who distract hey, I'm here on I, but I yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> In an empty room, pretty asshole. I find that I am focused on a movie because I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not in my house in front of my TV, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get up and go get a snack or make something or do dishes while this is playing. It's I, I'm literally paying more attention to the movie, and the experience is better because I give more of a shit at that point than I do watching it on TV. Uh, In my living room, I've got cats that I want to pet. I've got a wife that I want to kind of ignore. I I have all these other things that that are in my way of enjoying this. Or I get pissed because I'm watching something and I'm thinking my wife should be really into this. And then she's fucking texting on her phone the whole time. I'm like, God damn it. This is a really cool part. And then she'll ask me, what happened? Fuck if I know. Because I'm mad at you right now. So, so really quick, like I, because I noticed this Sunday when I watched American Beauty for for our movie podcast. Do you find you like Brandon's dick at the bottom of the popcorn? <laughs> Jesus, you and the gay jokes. That's not a joke. That's an <laughs> anyway. Um, no, so with American Beauty, it's a great movie, right? So I like. What was the last thing I watched at work before that? Uh, I think I watched the Underworld series. So mm-hmm. I like, and with that, like, whatever, it's vampires fighting. So it's Romeo and Juliet with vampires and werewolves. So I'll watch it. It's in the background it's for background noise. If I hear a fight scene, I'll look up, but whatever. It's just kind of there for, for noise, right? With American Beauty, I found myself, like, even though I had paperwork to, 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 to do and whatnot, I found myself watching the movie. I'd only ever seen it one other time. And I found myself watching the movie because I wanted to see all the visual cues. I wanted to see the movie. So when, even when you are distracted, if it's a good quality piece of entertainment, it itself will pull your attention. So maybe that's a good way to gauge. Like if you have nothing else to focus on, so you are focusing on it and you wonder why you're at the newest Twilight movie, like <laughs> it will, it, it's a good way to kind of gauge the value of it because it will pull oh, yeah. you. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll, I will say this because I've, you know, uh, come, like I said, coming off of the, the, uh, the, the movie, like seeing a movie every week thing. It's one of those things like, I would still see all like all the movies that I've seen. I would see again, you know. I would I would go see the Big Sick again. But that's one of the things like I pro I like the fact that I saw it first in theaters because even though I was only in the theater with four other people, a uh, Middle Eastern guy, and then you know four or you know three blonde, you know like two blonde chicks and a and a brunette, and we're and it's like it's that added to the movie because they're laughing at different points than me and him are laughing at, and it wasn't even like it wasn't about race or gender. Well, it's just like you're looking at it, it's like. Well, they're laughing at this, and then some. Like the next second, something else is said. We're laughing. I went and saw that at the opening day where they had the extra bonus stuff at the end. Me and him are sitting here watching that and all that together. We're laughing, his like laughing our asses off at this at the stand up stuff with, that they aired. That's something I wouldn't get because I'm not going to invite complete strangers into my house to sit here and watch the movie. <laughs> I have a really quick question, money wise, pricing wise, only because some. Uh, who is it behind the Galactic Network tag? Uh, B. All right. Was saying uh, he's like he's the sucker and he's buying the UHD Blu-rays. Okay, so I just have a quick question, and this can we can kind of relate this to the price of the uh, the movie pass, I guess. So I don't buy physical media; I, it takes up too much space, and it comes out two weeks yeah. later. 
Okay, so when we were talking, we did a little brief movie news sec- segment on Movie Busters before we got into American Beauty, and we were talking about how Wonder Woman got a release date, right? Yep. Forty-five goddamn dollars for the four K disc. Like, when? Like, why? Who would spend that? Wait, just the four K, or yeah, is it going to have special it, features? It's like it's four K, and then like it's it's the four K Blu Ray disc and the regular Blu Ray disc, and it's forty four ninety nine. I was well, like, are you fucking kidding me? Suggested retail price is not what you're going to see when it launches out. Now it may bump back up to that at some point when there's they want to make a scarcity and they're just like, yeah, everybody who bought it has already got it. But if someone really wants it and they missed it, now they'll pay the forty five bucks for it. But more often than not, you're going to see it hit the week at at Best Buy and a Target and online, and it's going to be more in the $22 range than it is the $40 range. Okay. Because with digital, not only can I get it th- well, two weeks early, usually three weeks in the case of Wonder Woman, because it's coming out in like a week on digital, and then like not till the 19th on physical, uh, 19th of September. But it's 19, like I can pre-order on iTunes right now. It's 20 bucks. So yeah. not only here's or three weeks early, but it's, I mean, according to suggested retail price, it's $25 cheaper. And with iTunes and with Amazon, so for the anti-Apple people, like you get your extras, you get all your, like whatever it comes with for commentary and things like that. The only catch is, is they haven't got like, I, Apple doesn't have 4k on their iTunes yet. Cause Apple's slow with some things, but like even on Amazon, and, even though they stream UHD, like you can't buy UHD digital movies, which doesn't make any sense. And, and yeah. Nate, you just a few minutes ago said that you would be willing to pay $40 to watch a new release movie in your house one time. A new release when it's in the theater. But no. how different is that if you didn't go to the theater to see One Room in the first place? For you, it's a new fucking release. <laughs> see, he has a point in there because I know people who they don't go to the movies. They they wait for the at the time it was DVD. They would wait for the DVD to come out and then they would go buy it. Because at that point, so you're not, is, how much would you pay for a pay per view before the network? We used to pay 50, 60 bucks a pop. Yeah. yeah. But now again, it's, it's like ten dollars a month, and I'm getting two pay per views. Fuck yeah! You pay the same thing for a boxing event. You pay the same thing for a UFC event. That's a live sports event. It's a little bit different. You know, you have one. Which is weird because you know what you're gonna get, and you know it's about as fake as Wonder Woman is. You but you just you rated differently because you because get you no because you get one opportunity to see it live. Other than that, it's recorded. Whether you see Wonder Woman in the theater or whether you see it. Four months later, for me, my my big thing with that is uh, I don't like not being I I don't like being behind the eight ball. There, it's the same reason like whether it's the seven S or the eight, like I'll have it launch day. Like I I don't like being behind on things. I like being up to date. If it's a if it's something I care about, Wonder Woman, I didn't bother seeing. I'll get it on digital, and if anything, just because my daughter wants to see it because I don't particularly care. But like if it's a movie I care enough about, like um like again Star Wars. Give me, let me pay the 40 bucks and I'll watch it at home as opposed to in a theater. But most movies I would wait. I'm not saying I would necessarily do that. I'm saying if you want my money, I'm more likely to spend 40 to watch it at home than 40 after concessions to go to a theater. And that's the other part too, is that we're talking about $10 a month to be able to watch all the new movies that come out that still require you to leave your home to, to go see them that there's probably not going to be enough to, it's not like you're going to be seeing a movie every goddamn day, or at least not unless you're watching the same movie twice over at, at least a couple of times. And comparatively $10 a month gets you tons of content at home on your TV, where it's convenient that you'll access all the goddamn time, be it a Netflix or a Hulu or an Amazon prime. 
And so is 10 bucks enough of a drop from the 50 that it is now to make it worthwhile to the people who didn't already see the value of what it was? Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's there for the people that it's there for. I see this working for like because I thought I thought about it when I you know when I put this I'm like okay this is something we can get a lot of stuff out of I saw this and I'm like okay yeah I would possibly I would theoretically do this you know that would then be me watching four or five movies but that's because you know living in a smaller town I don't get every single like if you look at IMDb's new releases I don't get every movie it's the people that live in LA or you know even the bigger cities around the country where they get the more independent movies like they had they got the big sick a month month and a half before everyone else you know before it had its nationwide release or even uh you know more obscure movies like the a trip to spain that's not going to be airing out in here i'm gonna have to drive to ann arbor or detroit to go see the movie in which case i'm going to a theater, movie theater i know nothing about so then it's like you know then it's then it gets to the thing of like okay who's that person who's that person like the paranoia starts kicking in when especially if I'm going to see a later movie it's like okay where's my where did I park my car oh who's that per okay am I gonna get mugged here and even though I'm a big guy whatever and I still get those thoughts because I'm a pansy <laughs> and stuff like that Ugh. I have there 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 are many things wrong with me and those, that is one of them like okay I'm gonna start freaking out now I wouldn't I don't I think this would be too much because there is unless they were just saying okay every movie theater is gonna get every release. So, you know, I, we get the, in the, in the smaller towns, we get the little, you know, more obscure films that might not make a lot of money, but I turn and look at this. I'm like, so you, you look at for my market, $10 a month, that's one movie. So even if I just see one movie, I'm breaking even and they're not losing money. If I use it, use the crap out of it. And I'm like, or, and even use and have other people claiming to be me and they're going, you know, like, so like, Oh yeah, I want to go see Wonder Woman. All right. Um, I'm going to see it opening day. You can see it Friday. You can see it Saturday. You can see it Sunday. We're all good, you know. You know, you don't got to worry about paying. You know, here's here's the pass. Then I see that being a problem. I I, I honestly I don't think this is that movie pass is going to be going on for much longer. You know, at least as a nationwide thing, it might be this little niche working in more you know bigger city uh, movie theater chains and not across the country. Yeah, I, I think that there's something to it. I just again, I think we're the we're the least likely to be the audience for it. Because we yeah. already have our time split between so many different forms of entertainment to feel that you have to dedicate yourself to something to get the value out of it, where you also have to leave home and, and mm -hmm. go be somewhere else for a while, unless you have this escapist feeling that you want to get out of your house, which is fine, which is absolutely okay. For the most part, I don't think it's going to make sense to someone like most of us. Yeah. Right. But there is a time in my life where it would have been the greatest thing in the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I do agree that this is, you know, too late. And it's also, I mean, we're seeing, you know, one of the parts in here, it says that the uh, movie theater prices have, you know, the, or the box offices have been doing terrible, even though the prices, the percentages is going up of the box office totals and stuff like that. But that's mainly because when you're going, you're paying more per tickets, but I don't know. Um, well, wait, one more thing though. One more thing that I didn't even think about until just now, because I'm looking yep. at Nate's bald head there. <laughs> <laughs> if it, in my lifetime, if you've ever had your parent use the movie theater as a babysitter, drop you off at the fucking movie for a couple of hours to get you out of their hair. Okay. Again, Nate, $10 for two hours is a fucking steal. Potentially. But um, now I, I am a little bit of a paranoid person. Right. No. And, and the world is a different place now. Uh, uh, yeah. We, we used I, to be able I mean, to release our kids into the wild uh, and, and expect that they kids. would make it. I know two of you don't. I don't. Corey, you don't have kids, do you? No. Okay. Yeah. So 
There is no way. And now, granted, I know my oldest one is six, but even at like 10, there's no way in hell my kid is being left while I'm off doing something else for two hours at a movie theater. But what and about 14? Then they're going on their own. Right. Well, but that's what I'm saying, though. Is 14, right. it's an encouragement. It's like at dropping four, them off at the at Chuck E. Cheese or dropping them off at the, the trampoline place. But then it's not my concern because at 14, they're a year away from a worker's permit. They can pay for their own goddamn movie pass. <laughs> so, and Corey, I will also say this. You have never worked in a Target because where the movie theater is right across the street from where I work at, tar at my Target, that's where everyone goes. That's where all the kids go because guess what? It's free babysitting. Right. No, movie I, I've worked at places that are pretty akin to Target. And I've, I've worked at places that were next to uh, kids' tube town places and stuff. I, I, I completely understand. I worked at comic stores where, hey, I'm going to drop the kids off at the comic store and good luck. Right. My, my game store is next to a grocery store. So yeah. they yeah. drop them off, they go to the grocery shopping, and they come pick them up. Dude, that's not that that's not bad. And that's the other thing too, is I think movies are great, but I think there are more creative, productive things, tabletop game stores, comic book stores, hell, the arcade it, for ones that still exist. I think that's better than just I mean that I mean, I don't know, whatever. It, they can certainly become pricier than a movie theater. But um yeah. I think they would and, be that. But Nate, you did just start a movie podcast. I love movies. So you and Brandon, if you wanted to do some current movies more than just the okay, now see i was gonna i was gonna mention that other than the fact that we're going a little like i don't know how long you guys want to go but uh and i talk a lot no that was the uh, that was my only <laughs> the, the only uh, like the 180 opinion to that is yeah like i saw that and i'm like okay that would be kind of cool for the movie podcast but again that i mean of the percentage of people that go to the movies how many of those people go because they do a movie podcast like it's a very small niche group right. you but know that would be your audience potentially well, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah. Right. I get it. But I'm just saying like, as the podcaster, a big part of that, it's kind of like, okay. So with the wrestling podcast, for example, right. And I'm not bringing wrestling back up, but we ended up adopting that to where we watched current pay-per-views, which was cool and good fun, but where the love of that podcast started and where we wished it had gone back to, but it just, again, scheduling, we started that podcast watching old pay-per-views because that was yeah. the fun of going back, the nostalgia. And I think, and that's a big motivation behind the movie podcast is going and watching either old classic movies that I never got to see because I'm uncultured or watching movies that were great. Like, like we were supposed, like for this coming Sunday, it was supposed to be Gladiator, but it's not streaming anywhere. Gladiator is a movie that I saw in theaters several times. Uh, I'm sure we'll end up doing The Dark Knight at some point. I saw The Dark Knight. I, was bas I basically lived in the movie theater the weekend that Dark Knight came out because Heath Ledger as Joker is magical. So, and things like that. Like, again, there are rare situations, but yeah. I was talking from a purely a consumer wanting not, yeah. to maintain, not a content producer perspective because the majority of the people that are looking at that are people that are consumers, not content producers. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing we'll see will be to see there's the company, AMC, who doesn't want to participate. If it takes off, they're screwed. If it doesn't take off, all of them are screwed. Because that means no one gives a shit about going to see movies in the theater enough to pay for one movie to get as many movies as they want for a month. Right. And, and see, that's that's the weird part for me is I would I could understand, you know, an Alamo Draft House or, you know, one of those type of movie theater chains where you're going in and it, it, even like the one that that Amy was talking about, where you have the you pick your seat and you get your. You know, you get your seat high up in the balcony where you can look over all the people as they're watching the movie with you. 
I could see those type of theaters saying, no, we don't want to do this because they could lose a lot of money. Now, as, as Beat po- put it earlier, you know, this doesn't include 3D movies. This doesn't include IMAX. So there are, you know, there are those that'll be like, oh, well, well, can we include the boutique where, you know, you pick your seat, you know, maybe it's like Adobe Atmos theater or something like that. Limiting it can be could, what could make this work, but also could be what could make what could make a lot of foolish subscriptions. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I certainly don't mean to extend this out any further, but I swore I read something that said the reason it went down to $10 was because they got a new investor, which allowed them to do that, and that the yes. movie theaters would still be making their regular ticket price. Yeah, so yeah. So the... Give a shit. Because even then, that seems like such a small thing. Because we're talking again, we're talking about a company that you know, with no, but, movie they're, pass- but they're getting regular ticket price. Like that's. No, I can tell you yeah. why. I can completely tell you why. Why? Because it devalues the movie theater experience overall. It, it, so at some point, this will have to go up in price, and then they'll have a middleman between them and actually getting the money. Because like just like selling apps through iTunes or Amazon or whatever, or selling books through Amazon, they're always going to get their cut after that point. They're never going to be able to charge full price for movies again because people are just going to say, well, I don't get it. I've been paying $10 a month for to see movies for years, and you're telling me that I'm going to have to pay $10 for a fucking movie? No, fuck you. I'm, I don't see why it would count. It's not so much that it's a bad idea now, but it's the potential of the long term. Yeah, that makes yes. sense. And, and it's and, the same clawing and holding on to things like the music system did when iTunes came about. Right. It's like, we're not going to fucking change to embrace this. And I, I also look at this as, you know, you look at some of the other apps that came out, you know, two, three years ago, where they were getting investment investors to keep themselves afloat, to pay for these other things to where, you know, this investment thing is only going to work. So if you get every household in America to do this and then they're, you know, to subscribe to this, to where they get, you know, the $10 a month, but they're going five times a month that's still a lot of money coming from this investment group. Eventually they're going to run out. And yeah, it's, so it's one of those things like, have gain from it. Yeah. It's, it's one of these things that I don't see a way movie pass could become at $10 a month could become feasible. I can tell you exactly what company. it's going to do. It's going to do like Netflix did. Netflix started out shipping DVDs and stuff, but they, what they did is they put their stickers on every goddamn DVD player And you could sell subscriptions through Best Buy. So Best Buy is like, hey, we're going to sign you up for Netflix. What does that do? Well, in the long term, it means that people will rent DVDs from Netflix instead of buying them from Best Buy. Now, Best Buy doesn't sell DVDs that much anymore. And then after that, it's like, well, Netflix says our real business isn't even DVDs. Our real business is streaming. So you're already paying the 10 bucks a month. We're going to give you streaming as well as the DVDs, so you can start watching our other content and stuff without having to wait for the disc to get to you. And then eventually, the fucking DVDs are gone. So Netflix doesn't have to pay the DVD fees anymore. They're just streaming the content out. It completely usurps an entire business into this new thing. So eventually, this MoviePass thing will go to what Nate and Amy are talking about. It's going to lead off of, yeah, go see the movies in the theaters for 10 bucks a month as much as you want. And then it'll eventually be like, why see it in the theater? You know, why not get to watch it at home for 10 bucks a month? You get to see the new movie and it will be this other business will crawl out of this and the theaters will just lose out. Well, again, the the analogy there, 
not to bring it back up, but to tie back to wrestling. So, you know, they, he asked in the, the inner chat there, like, what did you pay for a pay-per-view? And, you know, when I was a kid, it was twenty nine ninety nine. You get your monthly pay-per-view. And even then it wasn't monthly. You had your four big ones. And then they came out with like the in your houses or whatever. So it wasn't until around like the mid nineties that it became a monthly thing. And it was 30 bucks a month. And he was like, well, what's the replay value? There was no replay value. It was a live sporting event. It was eight yeah. to 11. 30 bucks and then it became 40 bucks and then it became 50 bucks and then you had the brand split uh, the original brand split back during the attitude era and you had two pay-per-views a month for 30 40 50 bucks a piece now you Wait, have did they do two a month i thought they alternated the months there was there was a couple that they did big maybe i don't know maybe i'm thinking of the current brand split anyway whatever the current brand one does twice yeah, a month. so so now you've got the network where you pay $10 a month and not only do you get the entire back catalog of WCW, ECW, WWF, WWE, WCCW, like you get decades of wrestling as well as every new pay-per-view for 10 bucks a month. So now you're getting two pay-per-views a month. You can still rent them from your cable company for a hundred dollars. If you want both, if you're, which I'm going to stop you right there. I'm surprised that still happens. It still happens for the same reason Corey was talking the the bad the bad part of my idea with theater. You have people who can't stream it. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it just it's one of those things. It's, it's just the natural progression of things. Yeah, and also that was the funny thing I, I will put with that with the whole WWE Network thing. And then we should probably wrap up because we just lost Amy because she had to take off when oh, the WWE Network came out. That yeah. was one of the, that was one of the things that they that they played. They even had the whole like cards thing with for the commentators where like you could pay uh, 70 or 69.99 for wrestlemania or you could go to the wwe network and pay ten dollars now tell yeah. me why would yeah, you they do totally blackballed the cable companies yeah i i would love to see where this goes i don't think i'm gonna be an early adopter in all honesty um but before we go um i will say right now you can find uh danny or not danny um amy on twitter because she you know, she had to take off and thank you amy for coming on uh twitter.com slash daniora that's d-a-n-i-o-r-a or daniora cosplay.com where can people find you <laughs> <laughs> i am gonna do the speedy but still hopefully you can understand me wrap up so you can find all of my shows at inkedgeekstudios.com there are a handful of regular shows as well as uh non-regular and one-offs that happen over there uh, so I will give you a quick list of the shows. You have mind of a geek, which is an interview style to hang out show. Very similar to this, uh, on Friday nights at nine 30, all geeked up, which is our general geek variety show. You have movie busters, which is Sunday nights. Talked about it a little bit. It's a movie review and movie news podcast. And then as we talked about at the top of this show, Amy and I will be starting indie case files, uh, this coming Monday. Uh, and that'll be a bi-weekly show. We also have Sincast, which is kind of an open form rant your mouth off type show and then a couple of the things here and there that happen again as one-offs uh the easiest thing for you to do is go on your podcatcher or go or however you get your podcast and search for the ig studios mega feed uh a, a big thank you to Corey for that idea uh and it's worked out great so far uh but you have you will have all of our shows all of our random shows all of our one-offs as well as any guest appearances like this like this episode will be able to be found on the mega feed as well um anything that any of my hosts or or owners or producers or anything do uh there other than that yeah that's everything so find all the shows there a uh, really quick personal plug i also do twitch streaming for uh live stream gaming as well as warhammer building uh so twitch.tv slash x which is x s y n e k x
and uh, all of my my gaming and other random non-studio related stuff is all done there nice and thank you for coming on the show and we will have the direct links to the mega feed in our show notes so which is gonna be weird when it's posted on there if you post if you take all of our stuff and post it so there's gonna be like this uh, snake eating its tail well no i mean I'll, I'll just post i'll just post this episode and like i said anything that features any ig no. studio, so no yeah yeah but what i'm saying is in the show notes in that episode it's going to have the link to the mega feed which is going to be on the mega on feed the mega. <laughs> <laughs> like hey come here yeah and there's a back catalog there really quick the studio has changed a lot in the last year and a half once brandon came in as a co-owner uh, the studio was founded back in 2014 uh, with an, a different Brandon, Brandon Leno and uh, Corey Eldridge uh, with a little show called Geek Access. The world is different now. We have nice webcams and nice microphones. And, you know, so the shows sound different. Like uh, we get commented or complimented on the quality of our audio and shows all the time. And people don't believe me when I say it's live to hard drive. We do no editing. You know, you compare that to, you know, the very first ever episode of Geek Access on June 6th of 2014. It's a pretty interesting contrast. So I was actually telling Corey, because Corey's, Corey's one of our biggest fans and he's, he's an awesome guy. He is single-handedly the reason we still do live shows. Or the reason, well, I mean, the reason that we didn't stop doing them. So, and it's it's really helped to build up the face of what our studio represents and it's awesome so i don't we don't thank him enough for that so Corey is awesome yes geek access podcast was me growly bear That's, yeah growly <laughs> wait what fan moment yeah, yeah so geek access uh it ran for about a year and a half with lots of big gaps in between because the other two i mean i was new at podcasting but the other two guys i did it with were not podcasters in any way they were just there because it was a fun little project we did but so all of those episodes episode one to episode 55 are on the mega the the there's no feed up for Geek Access anymore, I don't think. It might still be on iTunes. All the shows are on the mega feed. Uh, so if you want to go back and listen to how horrible <laughs> our first shows were, everything from the first episode of that, the first episode of Mind of a Geek, the defunct Sonics and Sabres, all of our past shows, uh, everything is on the mega feed. So it's a great place to kind of catch our current stuff and also catch where we started i can't pitch it enough it was a really cool idea Corey. you were awesome look at you you like single-handedly make my studio great between keeping us live and giving me the mega feed idea you uh, are I'm a big fan it just it ensures that i'm gonna get to keep listening to you guys so well, I, I appreciate that man it means a lot we get really ex whenever you pop in and participate in chat man you are one of our most active chatters when we do our live shows and it, it, it means more to us than you know so well, I, will, I love I will, the, the fandom that you guys have developed there i love the people that are in your chat and are are basically are the the lifeblood of the network really i uh all of those people are great and so i just am glad to be a part of it i love i love watching the download numbers grow i really do i mean i'm a content producer the, the studio costs money it costs money to do all this you know production fee or, or hosting fees for the files hardware equipment like it, it all costs money so download numbers are great but it's it's the the people that pop in you know the Corey's, the annalises like the people that come in and they're always I mean, we don't even have to pitch our patreon because our chat room does it for us like that is a really cool thing and as somebody give a dollar exactly give them a dollar as somebody who had this really crazy idea in in april of 2014 and to see where the studio has come and where it's going to get to co-own it with like my best friend of all time who will be on this show in a couple of weeks. Like it's, it's just really cool, man. Like 
it, it, I, it, I can't ask for the studio to be in a better place right now. And I've made great friends and, and great fans. And it's really, and I mean, I call them fans and I'm sure people that have downloaded the show and never spoken a word to us, then they're fans and that's cool. And they are awesome. And I appreciate that they like the content, but when it comes to the live chat room, they're, they're, you guys are friends. You're not fans. You guys are part of the family and it's really cool. I'm, I'm going to just close the show right there. That's where we're going to end this at. Um, you can find, you can contact us. Uh, if, if you want to uh, leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 805-328-3966, or you can email us mail at com. All of our subscriptions, uh, subscription links and stuff can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe, including our mega feed, which will have this episode in there, as well as the other shows that Galactic Netcast or, uh, Networks does. You can find all these social medias for Galactic Networks over at just by searching uh, Galactic Netcasts in the uh, social media of your choice. I um, you can follow the show on Twitter at AltsNerds. You can follow the producers at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I'm at that Gregor. Sean Burns is over at S Burns PA. Corey, where can people find you? Uh, I don't do social media. I hate people. So go to my comic site. Go to <laughs> DonutsComics.com. Look at the comics that I help make and publish with my friend Levi Krauss. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else. I'm surprised you remember how, how that went. <laughs> This Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.